This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. Give me a name. Like Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Krejci alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Live is the key word there. Live. Live as live can be. A lot happening as we do this show live. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of times where we sit here and I, I kind of close Twitter and close all this stuff because I go, ah, you know what? I'm, I got takes and discussion with Joe that needs to be top of mind. But uh, today might be, a, might be a different one. This might be a, a keep that phone open to the side or keep a window open to the side because, yeah, a lot is happening as we're uh, uh, recording this live. Um, new things every second. Nick Gage is on AEW, apparently, as we speak. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Tony, he knows we're going live. He calls in the big guns. You know what I mean? He's got to. He gets the MDK gang out there. Yeah, he's like, fuck, what yeah. am I going to do? <laughs> you know, he's got to have on the on a first class, the first flight out of, uh, I don't know, probably Philly, right? Is that where Nick Gage? I can't imagine he's ever left Philly, right? Or uh, can he leave Philly? I, I was surprised I he was allowed to leave, to leave <laughs> right. New Jersey, but uh, apparently he is. And uh, he's going to be Chris Jericho's next opponent. Yeah. As uh, MJF sends him through the, the fucking... Seven tasks of of fucking Zeus or whatever the fuck it's called, and uh, seven what the seven tasks of Hercules, the seven. I forget if it was Hercules, because yeah, they I forget what it the, the, the some name. nerdy Someone. mythology <laughs> nonsense. I don't know. Um, but it's not between, the seven between tasks. this between the, no the problem is I'm mixing him up with Drew McIntyre, and there's just too much. Because Drew McIntyre was talking about Icarus the other day, so I'm thinking Icarus, but it's definitely not Icarus. So I all right, it's the it's the seven labors of Hercules. Thank you. Okay, there we go. There we go. So he had to slay the Nemean lion. <laughs> he had to slay. There's a lot of slaying going on. He had to slay the nine headed Lernian Hydra. I know the Hydra. He had to capture the Serenian Hind. Okay. Now, now does does Jericho have to face the actual wrestler Hydra or no? These are these are the labors of Hercules. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Not Ray Fernandez either. The the not Hercules Hernandez, the wrestler. He's dead. I was gonna say this that'd is, be that'd be a nice get to get uh, you know a little spot for Ray Hernandez, but yeah, unfortunately, I think he's uh no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, to pass away, I think about two decades ago. So yeah. So next up is capture the. Eromanthian boar. Okay. I mean, but you're right. They could bring in There's, Hydra. Yeah, could... honestly, I, as you're reading these, I think other than, yeah, Hercules, that's a tough get these days. Uh, getting ready for No, but here. Jericho Jericho is Hercules in this. In that's this true. Story. Okay, so you don't need him. But yeah, you can get Hydra. You can you get, get wild the, boar for the boar. You, you can get either wild boar 
or you can get the boar of Moldovia from. Oh, you know, Ch- you're right. Yeah, Chakar is really good. Really yeah. I was gonna you say Chakar is gonna have a lot of what you need. You just have to hope that they're not sex pests. Which, um, as far as I no, think that, the, we mentioned, I think the, we're okay so far. But I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think that was Chakar's problem, right? Uh, yeah, we mentioned we well, we've named we've couple. named a wrestler already in in this. We we have said the name of somebody who I believe uh, got into a little bit of a little bit of an issue. We have uh, one Icarus, I believe. Didn't he get into a? No, he didn't get any trouble. Uh, are you sure? I'm positive. You better clear the name. Of <laughs> I don't. Okay, I apologize. Icarus did not. Get allegedly, trouble. Rich will have the producer yes. will have to look. Yeah, I'm, I'm allegedly. Positive. I don't recall seeing Icarus accused of of anything. But look, it was a confusing time and. You were bouncing around the mountains. Yes. So, uh, Joe, I will take you to uh, Ringside News on June 24th. Chikar wrestler Icarus accused of showing off pictures of underage girl bragging that she, quote, liked it rough. So, Hey, well, listen. <laughs> a lot happened. Hey, you... There was a lot going on. <laughs> right. My bad. You can't, um, you can't remember them all. So uh... You really can't. You can't keep them straight. Um <laughs> big, big, un- an unfortunate W for Rich. One that he probably didn't want. Yeah, to honestly, on. not the great is. Hi, four minutes into the show, let me talk about this wrestler who is showing people underage girls. But uh, it'd be are. nice if it'd be nice if you were wrong. But unfortunately, you were correct. Um, okay, so we got <laughs> we allegedly. We don't know if he's been right. Right, I have that. no idea. I have no idea. Listen, I'm just saying that these are allegations. Right. Yeah. Okay. Next up is uh, clean the Augean stables. In a single day, mm. you got to get some horse action. What's an Augian? Uh, Augie. Okay, let's go through. Slay the Stymphalian birds. <laughs> There's got to be some bird gimmicks. Yeah, just there, any sort right? of bird. Yeah, I don't. Um... Once again, you got to dip in the Chikara, I think. There's got to be some uh, some kind of bird gimmicks there. Um, a free bird, I guess you could try to find one well, of the free birds. You could. Yeah. Get Michael Hayes in get there. Hayes, See the last yeah. one left. No, Buddy. No, Buddy Roberts is dead. Um, yeah, he's the only one. Oh well, Jimmy Garvin, Jimmy Jam Garvin. Yeah, out oh, there. Jimmy Jam. Yeah, absolutely. Get him a get him a job. Him Jimmy Jam Garvin. I was just watching. Uh, what was it? Wrestle War '92, I think. And, and Bash was, and Bash '90. You were watching Bash '92. I was, but on Wrestle War '92, it was the Freebirds against. Greg Valentine and the Taylor Made Man oh, for the U.S. Tag Team yeah. titles. It's a good match. Good little opener. Little opener. It was like 20 minutes. <laughs> I was going to say, it's one of those classic 1990 to 1992 WW openers that goes like 25 minutes. Love those like, pay-per-views. Yeah. They're such good pay-per-views. Random singles matches up and down the cards. Yeah. I love that stuff. Like uh, that, uh, that 1990 show with Dutch Mantel versus Doug Furness. For no reason, right? They just—they're going like to wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. the start? No, the the B roll. The you know we always talk about the, the raw is just a, a B roll factory now. There was no B roll for Duck Furness. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like no. Dutch Mantel and Duck Furness are here and they're going to face each other in a professional wrestling match. These are two men trying to move up the rankings. Right. That's oh it. yeah, the, the the very mighty rankings. Yeah, that people still can't get a handle on in twenty. They want to pick up a win and 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 challenge for some gold. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, and at ninety two. Wrestle War, so the Freebirds, they win the U.S. titles from Greg Valentine, Taylor Made Man. And then uh, they have an interview later on with one of the interview dopes. I can't remember. Was it Ross? No, Ross and Ventura were doing commentary. I don't know who the interviewer was, but Precious was there. They, like, brought Precious back in 92. I had no recollection of this. Do you remember uh, them? Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I can't. I can't I, as far back as 92, no, I don't remember her at all. 
Now, she didn't come down to the ring with them. She was just in the interview, like, celebrating the big title oh, win. Oh, strange. And she wasn't – she was dressed, like, real classy, and it was it was a different version of Precious. Was it, was it, it Bischoff was and Hyatt? I remember them a lot during that era up in that – It may in, have been Missy Hyatt, as a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah, up by, like, the entranceway. Yeah. Uh, it was always – It was in the back. But I, I do think it was Missy Hyatt doing the – like, conducting this particular interview. Uh, but yeah, Precious was there, and then they went back to like Shivani. It was Shivani and Bischoff like at a desk, at, like hosting the show. It was Jim Ross and, and Ventura commentating the show, and it was Missy. Hyatt Got it. That makes sense. That's that sounds nineteen ninety two. That sounds about right. Yeah. So Precious was there, and then they cut back to Shivani, and he's like, "Oh, it's the return of Precious." So I guess that's when she came back. I can't imagine she lasted long because I have no recollection of this. But uh, she was looking good, too, looking good, smooching with Jimmy Jam after the big title win. I'm sure he got some some action that night. He's a champion now, you know? You know, who's the champ, baby? You know, hitting, there, hitting it from behind. So then we had uh, Capture the Cretan Bull is number six on this list here. Uh, Black Tauros seems like a good option so for that. So many bulls. I mean, yeah, we can I, go <laughs> many different directions. Yeah, you got El Matador. Yeah. You got you can get Tito Santana some work if you want. I, I know he's shape. the man. I know he's not the bull, but, you know, he's bull-related, so you can get him. You can get Black Tauros, as we said. Were you, were you there with me in New York when Tito Santana walked by in the hallway, and, and I swear to God he looked the same as he did in 1986? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You said, my God, Tito hasn't he hasn't aged a second. Yeah, we both looked at him and pointed, and we're like, my God, Tito Santana, look at you. Phenomenal shape. Because you walk, you walk through this the halls of like any sort of wrestling show, and it's just these decrepit men. You got Lex Luger bumping into me with his wheelchair. You got Greg Valentine who looks like he's been run over by a car. It's just you know what I mean, like all those old guys. And then here's Tito Santana in his glasses and his like nice polo shirt, just walking by. And you're like Tito Santana, look at that, look at that dude. Like, and you wouldn't even know that he was a worker either. You know what I mean? He's just like he looks like just like a a decently in shape fifty year old Hispanic man. You know what I mean? You like you wouldn't have no idea that, that was Tito Santana, but. Yeah, he looked like he's ready to throw that flying forearm at any at a moment's yeah. notice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I gave you seven labors. <laughs> yes. Here's the problem. There's like twelve of these things. Oh, like, I don't want to go that. I long, think yeah. MJF is just uh, he's doing uh, seven. Shorting. Yeah, this the the more important seven, the the best seven, the top seven. Where did I leave off? The Cretan Bull. Uh, you said the Cretan Bull. Yeah, that, there's many options there. Tito Santana, Black Toros. Um, uh, Omaha Omaha Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Mantar. Yeah, Mantar. Yeah, El Torito could be there too. Yeah, there's plenty. Absolutely. No, no, so no. Bulls. Yeah, there's no shortage of options for the Bull. So so many Bulls. Um, the Mares of Diomedes. Uh, mm. The Belt of Hippolyta. The Magic Girdle of Hippolyta, Queen of the Amazons. Oh, any intergender match. Just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get, bring Mel back. Bring Mel back <laughs> yeah, Mel, for that one. I think Mel's. She's tall. Uh, Mel's she doing, Amazon, she's, doing, right? she's doing an AEW shot uh, uh, in another month, I think. August 7th, I believe. Melanie Cruz is in AAW, yes. yeah. Right. But this is the Magic Girdle of Hippolyta, the Queen of the Amazons. Mel's a very sizable woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think she can qualify as an Amazon. We have the cattle of Garyon. Mm. It just, that's all it says. It there's doesn't no, say there's slay not many it. cow gimmicks. Yeah, the cattle. Ed, of... oh, Moscow, the communist bovine. <laughs> You're right. Damn, Chikara. Chikara. Right, right. Yeah. You just got to call Quack to see if he can. Uh... <laughs> Who would be a bigger baby face on wrestling Twitter than Moscow, the communist bovine? Yeah. These days? <laughs> right, right. He was a little too early. Right? Yeah, was... All these weirdo communists running yeah. around Twitter. Right. Well, oh, um, oh, oh, I for... okay. I, I don't want to unmask this uh, this individual, but uh, 
readily available this man so that that could work out pretty easily so moscow the communist you yes. know who moscow the communist bovine uh, i is? didn't until 14 seconds ago but now i do know so how would you ever oh how did you find that oh is everyone just unmasking them left yeah and oh right that's now? okay well they've always done that back when we were shoot trash like you could go on to you know <laughs> orange cassidy's cage match and it said orange cassidy comma fire hands comma you know what i mean like, right was... right yeah true you had to dig a little deeper for some of them though but now it's like since nobody respects Chikara anymore. yeah 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 because this and... this man who uh is i would say uh a positive uh, <laughs> i'm trying to figure out the best I would I wouldn't classify him as a great wrestler, Joe. Somewhere just beneath a great wrestler, uh, they list all of his gimmicks on a uh, on cage match. So Moscow, the communist bovine. Yeah, who wasn't? I'm dying to know. Uh, he is a blank blank professional wrestler. Well, if it's on cage, it's match, Dasher Hatfield, mean... motherfucker. It's a very good professional wrestler. Oh, okay, all right, great. I didn't. I had no idea it was Moscow, the communist. I didn't either. Bovine. Yeah, that's a new thing too. I'm sure it was somewhat different every night. If we're being honest here, you know, like like retail dragon was going to be the <laughs> oh, guy every retail night. Dragon was always just yeah, no, that um, yeah, pretty. So that's everybody kinda... that's everybody that got booked for Chikara at one point, I think, had to be retail dragon. It, it... I I wish him well in his recovery. That broken ankle and the super eight was mm-hmm, nasty. Mm-hmm. I watched that match. Um, Golden apples of the Hesperides. Carlito, Carlito's here. a good 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 get there. You get he's absolutely all, all yoked up now still, so you're good. Yeah, he's ready. He's Hercules work, has to he's in working he's shape. A, he is in working shape and he's starving for work. Uh here Hercules has to steal the apples from the Hesperides. So he could just steal an apple. Like Carlito could be there tossing it up in the air, and he could just come by and take it and run off with the apple, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh the twelfth here is Cerebrus. That's all it says. It doesn't say slay Cerebrus. It doesn't say fuck just, Cerebrus. Just something. Just interact with Cerebrus at any point. Okay. Okay, so the 12th and final labor was the capture of Cere- of Cerber- uh, Cerberus. Not even Cerebrus. I can't. I'm probably mispronouncing all of these. <laughs> all of you know these, we're giving yeah, people material. Yeah, I think um, it's Cerberus, but yeah, that's that. It's Cerberus, the three-headed, dragon-tailed dog that was the guardian of the gates of the underworld. I could see why that's the last labor. Yeah, that's that tough. Like, that's a three a three-headed dog. It looks like a pretty vicious dog too. That's tough. That's tough. That's a big time labor. I mean, that's yeah. not an easy labor. That's a labor you really got to work at. That that one looks like how do you go from stealing an apple? <laughs> right, I could steal the apple and then it's like, "Oh, hi, I am a a vicious three-headed dog." That's the size yeah. of Yeah, you got to yeah. kill a three-headed dragon-tailed dog that's the guardian of the gates of the underworld. It seems like a real uh jump in class. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand how you go from stealing apple. Well, I see what they did. Maybe the 11th labor was something a little easier because it's like, all right. Chill out a little bit. Okay. You, you, yeah. You know, t- take a few minutes. You steal the apple. Then when you're done, you know, breathe up, hydrate because it's getting bad because you got to face this dog now. So it's like the women's quarter hour on dynamite, you know, set you up for the main event. <laughs> you know, you get the, you get the, 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 the no lack. <laughs> no you comment. know, so um, then we had uh, Cerberus and then, yeah, that's so. MJF has cut this down to seven labors, probably because Tony Khan was like, listen, I don't have 12 weeks. Well, it's a lot of weeks. Yeah, it's a lot of weeks. So let's just and we can't come up with 12 mystery wrestlers to either. So, um, you know, we're just doing seven and we're going to end this thing with the uh, with the Cretan Bull father of the minute. The Cretan Bull, by the way, is the father of the Minotaur. You got to get Mantar for that one. Oh, okay, that's that's a no brainer then. Yeah, you got to get Nebraska Wrestling Hall of Famer. Is he is he Nebraska Hall of Famer or Wrestling Hall of Famer? I think he's the Omaha. Omaha. Hall of Famer. <laughs> I'm sorry, Omaha. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you can't, this is the whole state now. <laughs> You're just Omaha. Yeah. 
we have to check in with Hype Gotti on that, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> just, just the Omaha Wrestling Hall of Fame. Right, okay. Correct. <laughs> that um, seems very... Were you, there, were you there when he negotiated down the autograph for the kid in New York in the same hallway that we saw Tito Santana? Yes, I was there. That? Yes, yes. So <laughs> I think the, it started at 20... Yeah, please tell the story again because there's people that have now listened, uh, new listeners, and I, I love the story. So go. I, the problem is I don't remember all the details. Here's... <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. The, we knew the dollar figures. I don't know if we know the dollar figures anymore, but, but trust us when we say these are approximations and... The approximations were not very good for a the one, bottom line of one the story is, yes. the guy this kid had like a steel like like clipboard gimmick with eight by tens. And I guess he's just looking for autograph. He's an autograph collector. Okay. So he sees Mantar walk in the hallway and he gets real excited and, and you can tell it's Mantar, by the way. You know how we said like Tito Santana, like you might not you could tell it's Mantar for for the record. There's no denying yeah. that that's Mantar. So he he shuffles through his thing, he pulls out the Mantar eight by ten. And uh, and and he's like, I'll give you twenty dollars for an autograph, right? The kid offered Mantar twenty dollars to sign his eight by ten. So Mantar, like a pro wrestler, starts negotiating the kid up. <laughs> he's like, I don't sign anything for less than forty or whatever he said. The bottom line is, by the end of this negotiation, he was signing it for ten dollars. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the. <laughs> and I'm crying. I can't because we're ten feet away. I'm crying watching this negotiation go down <laughs> as, as Mantar starts it. And the kid offers 20. Mantar like bids him up and then he ends up doing it for half of what yeah. the kid offered. The, the kid with. was great too. Cause if I remember correctly, he had, he had the, you know, the marker and he just kept clipping the marker and putting it in the top of his little uh, clipboard yes. and then like slowly walking away. And he, he knew the game. So it'd be like, you know, Mantar was like, ah, no, I do it for 40 kid. And he went, oh, okay. And then he could hear like, Click, <laughs> you know what I mean? As he's putting yeah. the, and then he slid it into the back of the clipboard, and then Mantar would go, uh, 30. <laughs> and the kid just, you know, little by little, right? You know, would get the pen out again, he'd say 25, and the kid would go, eh, it's all right, start walking away. And like you said, after about two minutes, it was ten dollars, and that kid yeah. walked over the, the ten dollar Mantar autograph. The so. kid's just like, Look, this is too rich for my blood, I'm not giving you <laughs> right, forty dollars. Right. Right, you know, and then event- so then he's like, Whoa, wait, 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 he kept doing that, like, Wait, 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 he's like, I'll do it for 30. I'll do it for 20. Then the kid didn't even want to give him the 20. So he's like, all right, all right, I'll do it for 10. So <laughs> savvy negotiator, Mantar. <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha Wrestling Hall of Favor, Mantar, yeah. Yes, savvy negotiator. I'm going to call him savvy negotiator, Mantar. Henceforth, that's a new bit that we're doing here on the show. Whenever Mantar comes up, and if you don't think Mantar is coming up again, I don't know. <laughs> you are sorely mistaken. Yeah, you are sorely mistaken. <laughs> okay. He is now known from this point forward as savvy negotiator, Mantar. So, uh, yeah, he would be the uh, – what fucking labor was that? He'd be the seventh labor, the Cretan Bull. So, uh, there you go. Those Augean stables look like they're – giant rock tablets that he had to lift i don't know what oh you can get the rock right yeah that, that, great kid it. great kid if you can get the rock too bad the wall is dead he'd come cheaper oh that's right? right yeah he is dead yeah he's dead you can't get the wall but if he could get the wall all right hercules and the board that one's self-explanatory hercules capturing the, the oh the serenian hind we didn't know what that was it appears to be some kind of elk or deer that he's capturing there. Mm, okay. Okay. So again, I think we got to think Chikara here um, for the Seri. Ser- well, what about Ser- uh, a barbarian used to wear like the elk? It's true. Horns, right? Yeah. He's probably got those somewhere in the. Yes. 
That's true. You can get Bob Arion for that. <laughs> and that's a that's a story from well, I blew the punchline already, but that's a story from November to remember. You may not know this story, Rich. Now now that you know the punchline, it won't be nearly as funny. But uh, early on in ECW, Todd Gordon is getting phone calls from all kinds of wrestlers because they knew they had TV. And all these Mm -hmm. guys in between gigs want to be on TV. So he has a wrestler call him up. And uh, this is telling a joke backwards. But he has a wrestler call him up. A classic classic storytelling device is tell a joke backwards. Tell a joke backwards. (laughs) Joke and then explain the joke for 10 minutes afterwards. Yeah. So the guy's like, yeah, I've been on TV. He's like, well, who are you? He's like, I'm Bob Arion. And Todd Gordon's like, who the fuck is Bob Arion? He's like, what's your gimmick name? And the guy's like, Bob Arion. And this went on for like 10 minutes until it clicked in his head. Oh, Barbarian. You're the Barbarian. Because he, he, he couldn't pronounce Barbarian. Because, you know, he's got to act. Anyway, that's telling a joke backwards. <laughs> um, that's, that's how the, the Barbarian tried to get booked on ECW in 1990. Well, they should have booked him. Did they book him? They, did they end up booking him? No, I don't think he ever fuck. got booked. Uh, idiots. Yeah. Bob Arion. I think he I think Bob Arion and, <laughs> and, and Rick O'Shea. Yeah, that's a good yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bob Arion. Uh that that joke, by the way, five dollar tier. <laughs> if you want to hear that again, me. yeah. It comes across much better on November to remember because I don't do the punchline before I tell the story. So that bit got over big time when that episode came out. That's an early episode, too. So those are the uh uh, those are the uh, labors of of Hercules. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we even got on the topic of the labors of Hercules. I was oh, just talking Nick about Gage. you know yeah because you know t- t- he's got to bring out the big guns this week. He's Nick got Hic- Gage is labor number two. Yeah, he's got Hikaleo out there too. Just just as we're recording this, you got Hikaleo out in the crowd. I mean, it's it's what? Like, yeah, on dynamite. On dynamite in a bullet club shirt. It, it, all the stops. All the stops. I wouldn't be surprised. If, out there? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if The Rock Dwayne Johnson shows up today. He's so hold scared. on a sec. Hikuleo of New Japan. Yes, of, wearing a Bullet Club shirt is is in the crowd at uh, All Elite Wrestling's Dynamite. The tall fella. Yep. The tall brother of Tama Tonga yep, and Tonga Loa. The son of Haku. Yes. Speaking of the barbarian, or Bob Arian. <laughs> right. Faces of fear. Yeah. Um, WrestleMania 7 versus the Rockers. Great opener. Absolutely. Tremendous match. They weren't known as the Faces of Fear then. No, no, that's that's a WCW WCW creation. Same team, though, you know. Um, So there you go. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, Hikuleo in the Bullet Club shirt. So he can't come out on, like, Dark Elevation and, like, lose to Ethan Page, right? I don't think, yeah, if you're established as Bullet Club, I think you're kind of, yeah, you got to be protected at least a little bit, I'd imagine. It's a a crazy week. I mean, you got Jay White on Impact. We'll talk about that in a bit. You got Hikuleo. Wrestling, man. Wrestling's cool. Wrestling's cool as fuck now. It, was, it sucked for a while, but it's getting cool again. That's cool. I like that. There's some other breaking news. Um, some janky site is reporting that Brian Danielson has, in fact, signed with AEW. Yeah, let, let's let's unpack that. So that is, I think it's what Cassidy Haynes is the author, right? It's Bodyslam.net is the first one that I saw. All right. With that. That's, the, that's so, who is breaking the news. Right. I know we, that. We uh, have Sean Ross Sapp, who, who then quote tweeted that and said, I am going to look into this, and, and I would... Uh, Obviously, trust Sean Ross Sapp a little bit more. No offense to uh, uh, Cassidy Haynes of, of BodySlam.net, but um, I don't know. What, what do you? What, well, let, let's talk, let's unpack that anyway. So yeah, continue with what you were going to say before I interrupted. Oh, I was just saying that. Look, this is a live show, and all of this is happening just as we're beginning our show here. So uh, you may be listening to this on like I don't know, fucking Monday, five days from now, or whatever. 
and this might be all old news or out in the open, but uh, for the live listeners, yeah, this is all breaking as we – now listen, there's been you know, obvious speculation in that direction for a long time with Brian Danielson. The guy used to say him Brian Danielson again. You know, every time I want to say Daniel Bryan, they've, they've, and for the longest time, I was, I would want to say Brian Danielson instead yeah, of Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. we had that for years with Kevin Steen. And now, like, if yes. he ever went away again, I would always just call him Kevin Owens. But yeah, we, it took this show about four years, I think, to stop calling him Brian Danielson. So, so anyway, this bodyslam.net, I don't know anything about Cassidy Haynes, what their reputation is for breaking news, who they know, who they don't know. Um, they're claiming it's a done deal. Just what we know about AEW and how hard it is to get information out of that company. I don't know who the hell they would have talked to who would have provided them that information. Um, here's the report. I got it in front of me. There's not a ton in it. It says, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says that the source claims he's locked in, quote unquote, and 100% already signed. And his demands were wanting to work less dates for comparable money, presumably comparable to WWE money. He wanted the ability to be able to work in Japan, and he wanted creative input on his character, all of which he got. And that there are tentative plans in place for Danielson's AEW debut, and that's pretty much it. Um, All of those things are kind of known that he was looking for. You know, the less dates because he wants to be home more with the family. He obviously is dying to work in Japan. We all knew that. He asked WWE for that. Or they offered it. it something like that. There was some something going on where they were going to – remember that they, when they were negotiating with him before his contract came up? I, I recall yeah. offering him the ability to work in Japan. Right, so, and, and that was – I mean they, they that's something that they have and people have reported that they've kind of floated to, to various people. Brody Lee mentioned that as well. You know, the Triple H said, yeah. hey, hey, pal, I'll get you work from you know, for New Japan. And Brody's like, how are you going to – you know, okay, yeah. but I don't think you can actually do that, but that's fine. Like, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember if we ever got the specifics of it, but yeah, that, that was floated around when he, when he eventually resigned that that was an option that he would be able to, you know, wrestle in these various places, and obviously none of that came true, both, you know – somewhat because of COVID, but also related to just, you know, they just never had any interest in doing that. They, as we said, brought him back immediately. He was just doing bullshit <laughs> pretty quickly there after had to turn heel and all that sort of stuff. So it ended up not being a, a, a very good and very fruitful run. And, uh, and, and yeah, we talked about it a few months ago when, when he was back on the, you know, Hey, I'd, re- I'd like to wrestle in arena Mexico. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. I'd like to do that. And it's always like, all right, I mean, you can, <laughs> there's, there's a company out there that will probably listen to you. If you say, Hey, uh, let me work CML, let me work new Japan. Let me work X. Let me work Y. I mean, if, if you want to do that, if you really want to talk the talk, there's, there's a company out there that I think or, will allow you to do it. So, or you don't need a company. You can just go do it. Yeah. Right. Just do it. Yeah. Just say I quit and then go do it. Just, <laughs> That's just show some guts and go do it. You know, stop talking about it. Show some guts and go do it. Um, but no, yeah, I think in this recent negotiation where they didn't sign him, they offered him Japan. I, I recall reading that. Oh, I see. Gerber I see. Or somewhere I see. else. Yeah, maybe. Like that was part of it. Like, yeah, we'll let you work New Japan or whatever. But um, I, you know, obviously, uh, he did not resign there. So uh, look, I look. I'm not. We're having fun here. I'm not trying to besmirch Cassidy Haynes. For all I know, this is a solid as a rock scoop. For all I know, a half hour into the show, it might be confirmed by, uh, you know, a Sean Ross Sapp or a Dave Meltzer or a Mike Johnson or, or Wade Keller or whoever 
but yeah, who knows? I mean, so let's talk about it. You know, obviously you have a chance to bring this guy in. You bring him in. I mean, you know. Oh, on question. Yeah, no, not even a doubt in my mind. If he if if he's interested and wants to do business and and has demands that are easily met, like like you know, I, I think all the ones that that you know that they mentioned that bodyslam.net report, I think are all easily met demands. If I'm Tony Conner, AEW, sure, yeah, no problem. Yeah, so I mean, obviously you're on the phone with that guy. Um, you know, the very second his contract is up, and even before that, honestly. Uh, when you're talking about a guy of that caliber. And now, you know, Sean Ross Sapp reporting today as well, today being Wednesday, uh, which is the live airing of this show, uh, was Wednesday this week, that uh, CM Punk is also talking to AEW. Oh, actually, his report was CM Punk is wanting to get back into wrestling and the likely destination, if there will be one, will be AEW. I think that's important to note. People are kind of running crazy with this Punk to AEW thing, but He's obviously going to work both sides here, right? I mean, he has to, even with his prior relationship with WWE. If nothing else, you use them as leverage, right? I mean, you have to, you'd be an idiot not to. So, um, you know, but, you know, you'd think that seeing the, you wouldn't think he'd be too excited to get back in the WWE locker room. I know he did the Fox thing. That's not quite the same. Um, You know, maybe he sees these live AEW crowds and maybe, you know, he was waiting to play this card until after the pandemic when, you know, who who's really in a hurry to come back to Jacksonville in front of 200 people? You know, these guys live for the pop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right? And, and and I don't know. I don't know anything about CM Punk in his real life, but there's a possibility that even he was like, hey, I don't really want to work in front of crowds or in front of people. I don't want to really work with people during COVID. You know what I mean? And, right. and, and, and maybe he's yeah. waiting for everybody to get vaccinated, waiting for him to feel safe. Like, I have no idea. But now seems like a good time. Hey, there's a big pop. People are vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. Yada yada yada. Okay, now is a good time to at least. Bro- I totally get why now you would think about it versus six months ago when you think about it. Hey, do I really want to go back? Potentially risk my life. Potentially risk you know infection to go work in front of a bunch of workers and twenty fans in in, in Jacksonville. I get that. I probably wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, you watch this wrestling, and like I said, like wrestling is fun <laughs> for the last few weeks. Like we're gonna talk about Money in the Bank, which was a very fun show. I mean, it is wrestling is so much a thousand times more fun with a hot crowd waiting for you to come out and, and and pop for everything. So yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that like you know potentially I don't know what was going on in his life or whatever, but like yeah, if he's sitting on the couch watches a show, hears a big pop and goes fuck, he's a re- I mean at, at the end of the day he's a wrestler. Both these guys are wrestlers. They live for that. That pop, that crowd going nuts, that that reaction. The money's good too. The money's obviously a big part of it, but there's no doubt that the juices get flowing when you watch a show and the pop happens and you go, ah, oh, shit, that could be me. I want to be in front of that again. And maybe you make well, those calls. In the case of Danielson, we know he doesn't need money. I mean, we can safely. No, Birdie is going to be eating. <laughs> Birdie's going to yeah, be eating I mean... beans if he doesn't. You know? Well, he's probably be eating legumes anyway. Grown in <laughs> that's the fucking true. Yeah, that's, she might not have an option. Yeah. But um, look, yeah, look, that guy's loaded. His wife's loaded. They're loaded. They're not spendthrifts. Okay, so uh, it wouldn't be for the money in his case. Punk, I don't know. I mean, what's he really doing? I mean, it doesn't last forever. Maybe he could use a buck. I mean, I don't know his motivations. You know, not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with being motivated by money. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, why else would you get dropped on your head? Uh, you know, other than for that, like you're saying that 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 visceral sort of uh you know that endorphin hit when you know of the live crowds and whatnot and that that would be danielson's motivation and uh you know that doesn't mean he's gonna do it for free 
you know, so, you know, he's going to want to be paid what he's worth. Um, but obviously, look, we don't need to tell our listeners that these would be enormous gets. I mean, these are the two. Are these the two biggest gets or would you put Lesnar ahead of these two guys? Um, I think Close, I was right. Yeah. You know, honestly, and, and here's the thing with, with, with Lesnar. I, I think Lesnar's a big get. I think if you brought in Brock Lesnar, it's a huge get. It's a big deal. But for me, and, and at least if I was running AEW, if I was a part of the leadership structure, to me, getting a CM Punk and a Daniel Bryan, I think that that gives you a little bit more cachet with you know the, the the more hardcore wrestling fans, the fans that are look seeking that alternative and looking for something different. You know, those are guys that that are are, are you know arguably two of the top kind of alternative wrestling guys in WWE over the last decade or whatever. You, you know, you know what I mean. Like those are guys that came up through the Ring of Honor, came up through the Indies, fans of that ilk. You know, kind of followed their careers and 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 got behind them. You know, when they were in WWE or whatever. I think that works a little bit better for that fan base than a Brock Lesnar. Obviously, bringing about Brock Lesnar is a huge get because. Because he's got that sort of the, the the mom test of of you know people know Brock Lesnar whatever, but to me I I think CM Punk and Dan O'Brien are even bigger deal just because you know uh, when, when you especially if you combine those two guys you bring both those guys in I just think for that ilk of wrestling fan and that certain buzz factor of wrestling fans I think uh, it, it works on a different level than bringing in a Brock who who I think and and and, and some of those fans probably and and you know I would probably be in the same boat as well like. I'd be a little apprehensive about a Brock Lesnar in AEW. How much is he going to try? How much is he going to care? How you know all that sort of stuff? I have no doubt in my mind that Daniel Bryan is going to care. I have no doubt in my mind. I, I at least I think so. Maybe a little more, little less doubt than I would have for Daniel Bryan. But I think I'm pretty sure that CM Punk would would go out there and try. I can't say the same about Brock. I, I don't know about Brock. I, I I mean I know he chases the money and all that sort of stuff, but. I don't know if he would see AEW as kind of the, the the second tier, the minor league, the second rung, or whatever, and not give full effort. I just I just unfortunately have the the uh, New Japan run in, in my brain with with, with Brock. So um, you know the money wouldn't be second tier. No, <laughs> certainly not. Yeah, certainly not. I mean, you know, the cons have more money than Vince does, but I think the three of them for the existing fan base, in order of excitement. I would rank them Punk, Danielson, Lesnar. For wrestling fans who may not necessarily watch AEW today, but they're already wrestling fans. I'm not talking about the mythical casual fan or the mythical creating of a new fan. Wrestling fans who just don't watch AEW for one reason or another. I would rank them Lesnar, Punk, Danielson in that order. Um. Lesnar would bring in those UFC fans who maybe like wrestling but don't watch it on a week-in, week-out basis. They'd at least check out and see what he's doing. WWE fans, I think, would check out... WWE fans who don't normally watch Dynamite would turn on Dynamite for any of the three. I do do think that. At least to see what they're up to in the new place. I don't know if you then are able to convert them into weekly viewers. You know, because some WWE fans are just died in the wall. They like that style. All the things we complain about, they love. Like, they like all of the shit that we constantly complain about. Right. We're going to talk about a match a little bit later where I think you and I both think it was boring as fuck. But right. those fans think it's a match of the year contender. And and, and there's almost yeah. no middle ground between that. Yeah. Um. So, you know, those, those fans, I don't think those people are ever going to be AEW fans. But. I think all three of those, I don't even know why we're talking about Lesnar. He's not even on the table here. But um, as far as the other two, I guess it's a good question. I mean, since there's really not much to talk about in terms, look, everyone knows these are big gets if they get them. Okay, I don't even know why. We don't even need to break that down. 
So let's have some fun with this. If you could only have one or the other in some hypothetical scenario, you take Punk or you take Daniel Bryan? So that's an interesting question. To me, it's honestly, so it, it is very difficult. And these are two of my you know all-time favorite wrestlers, two, two of my top, top-tier guys. Honestly, when, when as you were saying that question, I, I, I in my brain I said just whoever you think of immediately, that's your answer. That's the person you're gonna mm-hmm. do. Don't don't mull over it. Don't think about it. Do any of that. Like as you're saying that, I'm thinking, okay, here's my answer. Boom, right away. And I went to Punk right away. And I think the reason I went to Punk right away is I think AEW has a lot of great wrestlers. Do they have anybody that's on the level of Daniel Bryan? I don't know. They have Kenny Omega who's on the level of Daniel Bryan. They have the Young Bucks who's on the level of Daniel Bryan. They, they have all those sort of guys. And, and, there's, and, and there's arguments being made that, that depending on what you get out of Bryan or what Daniel Bryan is in 2021, that maybe that list becomes a lot greater. You know, Maybe there, there are a bunch of dudes, depending on what you think of Daniel Bryan, in his current state and what he's capable of doing right now, which I don't know, I don't know if we n- fully know what he is capable of right now because I don't know that we saw the full you know, Daniel Bryan in 2021. But, but assuming that what we've seen of him in recent years is what he is, that commodity to me, I mean, again, Daniel Bryan is an all-time great, one of my favorites of all time, but what we have of him right now, I think AEW has that in some way. There are guys that can do similar stuff to what Daniel Bryan can do. But we've talked about it a lot. People say, oh, AEW's this, AEW's that, AEW, yada, yada, yada. What AEW is more than almost anything else is a promo promotion. That when those guys go out there and the guys that can talk, your Ricky Starks, your, your, your Cody's, you're Jake the Snakes, like those those guys that just go out there and cut these great promos. You know, Brody Lee when when, when before he passed away. Those guys, I mean that that is that company. Hangman Page does a great job of cutting MJF, promos. MJF, Moxley, Moxley yeah, the, the Kingston. The list goes right on. Down like, the line. I could be I, and yes, they have guys that can talk, but I don't think that you can ever have too many guys that can talk, talk people into the building. And that's why I think I would go with Punk over I Brian. Think, I think that Punk. Punk basically represents what caused the formation of this promotion to begin yeah, with. Right. It it so I, I feel like and again, these are you know, you obviously I'll take both. Take both <laughs> Can I have both? I want both. Yeah, give me both. But punk is is he just represents everything everyone wanted that is that is that is a fan of the promotion. I mean that that was punk yeah, before he fits this the ethos. AEW existed. Yeah, he fits the ethos of the punk. company for sure. Right. So I feel like to that fan base, that's like their patron saint coming home. Like he he you could argue he started the movement that led to AEW. You know, whereas Daniel Bryan, of course, they'll accept him with open arms and all of that. And it's almost like. Punk is already sort of an AEW guy, even if he ever, never shows up. With Daniel Bryan, it's almost people want him to embrace AEW. Very, they very badly want him to be an AEW guy. So it'll be big from that perspective. Like, oh, we finally got him. We finally got him out of there. And he's with us now. Right? But with Punk, it's like he kickstarted this whole thing. So. I'm with you. It's like I feel like if I could only have one or the other, I think I'd take Punk. I, I think I would, even though I think, man, I don't know. It's tough. Maybe you can get more out of Brian. 
the longer he's there. It, the, the problem with Punk too is I fear he can be a problem and he can ruin a locker room. That guy, he he, it's dangerous to bring him around. Yeah, you know his he's he, temperamental. He, he doesn't get he he's either you know he doesn't get along with half the people he meets, and then you know. And then even the people he gets along with, he eventually turns on. He's just a temperamental guy. We all know all of the stories. And, you know, it, he's a hard guy to get along with. He'd probably even tell you that. That's where you worry about Punk. You don't worry. Brian, you don't have any concerns of that. He's going to come in. He's going to be happy. He's going uh, to work. He's going to work hard. And, um, you know, and that, that you don't have to worry about him you know, sullying up your locker room chemistry. And maybe Punk wouldn't either, but there's definitely more of a danger. Than oh, that. for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, I have zero doubt that Daniel Bryan comes there, shakes everyone's hand and gets along with everybody right away. And there's never a problem ever. The entire run he's there. However many years he's there. I, I can't guarantee that for CM Punk. I can't guarantee that he shakes everyone's hand. I can't guarantee that within six months he doesn't get pissy about someone and, and, and make some backhanded tweet or whatever. I mean, that's just that's just his personality. The risk reward for CM Punk is, is obviously much larger than Daniel Bryan. You know exactly what you're getting out of Daniel Bryan. And that's super valuable. That is absolutely tremendously valuable to have that guy uh, on your roster. But yeah, I, I, I think you and I kind of see it from the same standpoint there. I mean, the, the the buzz factor for a CM Punk, I think, would be so much larger than Daniel Bryan. And that, again, it takes nothing away from what Bryan can do and what he can offer and, and, and what he can bring to the table. It's just like you said. You you announce that CM Punk is here in AEW. The lights go out at AEW and and and, and, AEW, and, and Punk is sitting you know, cross-legged on an entrance ramp. I mean, that is just a, an all-time, all-time moment. And not that, you know, Flay the Valkyrie plays and Daniel Bryan runs down that. Not that that wouldn't. Or Europe, you know, Final Countdown plays. And, and and people go nuts. I mean, there's obviously, yeah, that that is a huge moment too. But I just think, like you said, Punk, I think, A, from the standpoint of he's kind of the patron saint of this entire thing, this entire movement. And, and, and B, I just think that, you know, what he can offer you in terms of, of, of you know, his, his talking ability, potentially, the, you know, uh, a fan base outside of wrestling in terms of the UFC fan base. But I don't know how much of those even exist anymore. And most of those people were probably wrestling fans uh, in the first place. I just think from from my standpoint, if I can only choose one, I think I get a little bit more out of out of punk. And I think I get a little bit more buzz and, and a little bit more. I, I feel like my company is in a, a better standing, a better popularity with a CM Punk versus with a Daniel Bryan. But yeah, as you said, obviously you'd, you'd take both of them for sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, what's odd to me is Again, it, it's so little leaks out of that locker room and out of that front office that this is all very suspicious to me. Why all of a sudden, let's assume this Daniel Bryan story has some legs and it's legitimate information coming out of bodyslam.net. Okay, is that the name of the way? Yes, oh, bodyslam.net. Yep. Let's just work with that premise. Why all of a sudden would these two stories get out or how would these two stories get out when they've been able to keep all of their other big surprises quiet? You see where I'm going here. You have to think it's intentional. (laughs) Okay. Why else? Because nothing gets out and you know, they've got all out coming up and they have no problem selling that. They're not going to have any, didn't they, didn't they already sell that out? I mean, there's nothing left. Oh, for that all show. out, yeah, all out's done. I mean, the, the week there's yeah, obviously they're doing the triple shot in Chicago, and and I think there are still tickets available for Resurgence and tickets available for Dynamite too. So yeah, but all out is is very much sold out. Yeah. So immediately you would think, all right, well, you would leak Punk because then maybe people in Chicago would buy all your tickets, but they've done that already. 
right? And maybe say for the, oh, pay- well, be- for the pay-per-view at least. In, le- in less unless, you know, maybe more rumblings come out about dynamite or resurgence or something like that. And then in which case maybe you want to want to increase people I'll just buy tickets to all three shows because I don't know what's gonna happen. Punk might show up on any of those shows. That's a possibility. Or you leak Daniel Bryan because, you know, ah oh, well, you know, we gotta sell these tickets for this gigantic tennis stadium. But they've sold them all already. Yeah. So it's like if you if you want to be conspiracy theorists and say that they're leaking this stuff on purpose, like what's the point? What are the, what are they gaining by leaking this, as opposed to bringing these guys in as a huge surprise somewhere, and popping people that way? Um, is it to drive up TV ratings so people think that they can show up on TV in a given week? Is it to drive up the pay per view number, thinking you can squeeze? You know, 30, 40, 50,000 extra pay per view buys for all out. If people figure there's a punk Chicago connection and there's finally some smoke to the fire for once, other than people just wanting to connect it. I don't know the reason you would do it, but it's odd to me that their two biggest gets, if they do in fact get both of these guys, and it's possible they don't get either of them, but this would be their two biggest gets yet. And these are the two that get out. Isn't that a little weird to you? It's strange. It, it is definitely strange. And as of this recording, I, I, I should note here, uh, as of actually when we started this segment, Cassidy uh, uh, over at Bodyslam.net has updated his, uh, his, his, his news. And he says, uh, exclusive tentative plans for Daniel Bryan's AEW debut. So here's what we have now. Now we're getting into some specifics, which makes me a little more. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, this is good. So, yeah, I don't know. He says, quote, additionally, we were told tentative plans creatively for Brian Danielson's AEW debut. Uh, as of the time of this writing, the plan is for Brian Danielson to make his AEW debut on September 22nd when AEW heads to Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City. So. The plan was to hold off debuting Danielson until after all of their plans for All Out are wrapped up and to bring him in after the pay-per-view. However. But the news of CM Punk's potential AEW debut may have caused plans to change. So we can tentatively expect to see Brian make his debut when the company makes their huge debut in New York. Um, <laughs> I got <laughs> to give at least a, a little bit of a, a, a tip of the cap to uh, uh, Cassidy Hayes. Cause, uh, so you see how plans changed in that article is, uh, is linked? Yes. I click to it and it goes. This is a man after my own heart. Uh, clicks If you click Plans Change, it goes to a uh, Pro Wrestling Tees store where Bodyslam.net is selling a shirt that says Plans Changed. So. Oh, well, tremendous. <laughs> I, mean, I got I to at least give it up for that. That's, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, is Cassidy Haynes even a dude? That's a unisex uh, so, and, and the, Yeah, uh, it, yeah it, it is a guy. And uh, I will say, um, Brian, uh, uh, Sean Ross Sapp said uh, in the reply to this, I haven't confirmed it yet, but I've known Cassidy to have many contacts. In AEW, so that's all at right. least a semi-stamp of approval from old SRS there. So, okay, all right. I mean, I hope that yeah, sounds cool. Sounds fun. But the additional details, mm, would someone give them that? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. That that might be a. Th- what I read as somebody who, who's done this now for ten years, I read yeah. that as. Somebody in office, potentially with the initials TK, uh, realizing that this got out and now maybe sending it to a few different people and putting down this exact information and then seeing if it's going to come out. You know what I mean? That little the leak to find the uh, the mole type stuff. I don't know. That just seems a little too specific. I don't know if like, yeah, I don't know. 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 The old, uh, you know, stooge bait. Yeah, see who- right, right, right. You know. 
Um, you suspect it's X amount of people or these these you know group of people. So you tell that group of people. I, I see what you're saying. Okay, see, so see what punk, comes out. Yeah. So you you think the punk info is more solid, and TK might be thinking, all right, the punk thing got out. I gotta find my my. Uh, I gotta find my rat. I gotta find my stooge. So why don't I tell four different people this Brian Danielson thing? Give four slightly different versions of you know the old stooge test. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Or if if not even that, this additional info is the stooge test. You know, tell yes. tell these five people were debuting him at Arthur Ashe. Tell these five people were debuting him at All Out. Tell these five people were de- were you know we have no plans for him and see what happens, see what comes out, and then you can at least come down to okay. <laughs> This guy's now reporting the author ash. Now I know who's kind of doing the talking. Yeah, yeah. Because the usual MO out of that place is when they're bringing somebody in, two people know. Tony Khan and the guy coming in. I mean, that's been the MO. So this is why I think this is all very bizarre that, come on, like Andrade is kept under wraps for the most part, but these two enormous stories are going to get leaked. It's just weird to me. You know, um, I trust Sean Ross Sapp. I don't know anything about Bodyslam.net. Never heard of him until today. So, I don't know. But uh, obviously would be enormous gets. And maybe they see, if they are leaking this out, maybe they see more value in leaking these two particular ones out as opposed to keeping it under the vest for whatever reason. Ratings, pay-per-view buys to sell tickets in the markets that are struggling. Right. Not, now, yeah. You're selling tickets now. So that's a different answer. Yeah. And they're not killing it in every market. Okay. They kicked ass in New York and they, they're kicking ass in Chicago and they're killing it in some of these other cities, but there's some cities where that look at Miami. I mean, the first show right out of the gate, they didn't even sell it out, you know, and there's some other cities too, where they're kind of, you know, there's no cities where they're bombing what I would call it bombing, but they're not selling out every city or on pace to sell out every city. So, I mean, that could be a factor too. Or it could just be, you know, could it just simply be taking the news cycle back over from WWE with all of their big surprises on Monday? Right, right. And, which we'll talk about. We'll talk about here in a bit. But yeah, Cena, Goldberg, all that sort of stuff, and then them saying, "All right, cool, time for us to get going here and, and get people talking," because we're not leading our story, our, our show off with John Cena returning or Goldberg returning or any of that. We're we're leading yep. off with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. So yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, Maybe when when maybe we would have let off with Raw if none of this and that's the whole point of <sighs> this stuff rules. Remember when you know how there's so many dorks out there that think this stuff sucks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just absolute dorks. What are yeah. you doing? What what would really rule is if a third company emerged with a billionaire and, and we, <laughs> right. I mean that's what makes this shit great. Yes, Jesus Christ, you moron! <laughs> this is the yeah. best. This is what wrestling was awesome when I was I was ten the the last time this wrestling was good like this. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. so young I could barely appreciate it. I was ten, twelve, eleven. You know, like very early days. The last time wrestling was cool and fun and interesting like this. <laughs> it's been it's, yes. it's it's just like this stuff is so. so awesome and even as a 12 year old i realized how awesome it was i go into aol chat rooms and be like yeah this guy's jumping here and that guy's doing this and shane douglas is coming here and like you know it was even even in the later even in 1999 when jeff jarrett you know jumped from dota to wcw you fucking ruled it was great i know you got a big bag of cash because vince forgot that his contract expired he still had the title and you know, you get punk, he comes out there, talks shit about WWE yes. for fifteen minutes. God. People would and then people would complain about that. Yeah. And it's like he doesn't appreciate he doesn't appreciate the job. <laughs> I want everybody throwing it shots could. at everybody. Yes. Yeah. 
I'm glad he doesn't. <laughs> I want him to talk more shit. Why would you even bring Punk in if he like that's the whole point? If you want him to be an aggrieved yeah. asshole. Yeah, imagine Paul Heyman saying, ah, can we take out the part where you call Eric Bischoff a dick? Like, I, I don't know. Like, what's the right. point? You know? yeah. No, fucking tell call him an asshole. I don't give a shit. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. It's uh dorks. it's crazy. Just dorks. Daniel Daniel Bryan's dominating our poll, by the way, that you put up in the no dopes chat room. Look, yeah. I get it. I, I look, I don't I think you can go either way here. In a lot of ways, they're both sort of the um I don't, I don't know what you would call it, sort of the uh they're like the golden goose or whatever that phrase is of the aid of someone who you know was a fan of AEW. These are the two, but I think punk is just more the forbidden fruits than Brian is. Yeah. Because again, what for what he symbolizes to AEW. It's almost like AEW isn't complete. Until Punk shows up at some point. I know that sounds weird to say, but it's like um, they can be successful and they can do all these great things and they can be this great company and everything that the hardcore fan has wanted and they can tick every box. But it's like you're almost going to feel like not getting if they never get Punk that they just missed out on that one thing that would have completed it for, to, to make a for the comic book goofs. For the Marvel nerds, no, like he's the one. This should be good as, as somebody who's definitely an expert on the Marvel uh, universe. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> He'd please. be like the last gem in that fucking glove. Right? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's, I was that's, wondering, that's I was wondering how made. specific you would be because I know you don't know how to be very specific, but that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. He'd so. be the last gem for the fucking glove that Thanos, fucking, Thanos, I believe. Or where you, where you, where you fucking end the world or what do you snap? What is it called? The snap and you fucking end the ah, world. You know more than me then. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, he's like the last fucking gem. Like, you know, that that's it's punk. You know, that's why I'd give him the slight edge over Brian, even if I personally might rather see Brian there. You know, that's the thing. So I think he'd definitely get a bigger pop. If they both got okay, equal playing field, same pay-per-view, same scenario, okay. One of Punk's classic themes hits, whether you want to go with Living Color, AFI, I don't care who you go with. And then, or one of Brian's themes hit, you go with Europe, Flight of the Valkyrie, whatever you want to pick. Who gets the bigger pop in a neutral city? I still think it's Punk. Yeah, I think that, you know, the start of a cult of personality, that crowd, just the roof is off that place. I don't think people would know AFI. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Like hardcores know that, but it doesn't have much as, as much of an identifiable open to me. As, it doesn't as, as, because people, a lot of the people in the crowd aren't going to know that associate that song. With I mean, yeah, I mean, think about what CM Punk. I mean, last time CM Punk or Punk was in ROH. I mean, those are early, early ROH people. I mean, he was done what two thousand four or five? Like, you know what five. I mean? Like, yeah. Where's Final so, Countdown? I mean, you you got many people that still know Final Countdown. I mean, shit. He, after especially when he came back after that last one, when he got fired by WWE or whatever. So. Everyone's gonna know cult of personality. That's, yeah. you know what I mean. And and um, Daniel Bryan too. I think Europe is more identifiable to him than the old punk ROH song is to him with the current fan base. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, I I think punk would get the bigger pop. I mean, in a, in a neutral city, I'm not saying like Chicago. Obviously, it's no argument. Um, you know, uh, Seattle, maybe Brian would, right? But 
I think in any other city in in America, I think punk would get the bigger pop. I do. Um, you know, so it's like, and the thing is, punk has just been so. He hasn't wrestled since 2014. He's rejected wrestling at every turn. Um, it's almost like he's a he's like a lot to a lot of fans. He's like a, a spurned lover. Like they they want they've wanted this guy to come back for so long. Brian's been gone for ten minutes. Right, right, right. You know that's the other piece. There's so much. Yeah, there's so much more mystique with it with with, with the CM Punk. There's so much. I, the, the, I don't know the right term, but vitriol. You know, with Punk, where you would buy that he would come out there because you know even if Dan O'Brien came out there and said I'm finally where I can work and you know be a wrestler, you know there'd be the the token like yeah, you know he can wrestle. But and, if know, Punk came Brian out there is, and, and Brian had chances and, and right, 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 the other place. That's the other thing. Like Punk has just rejected the whole fucking thing. Like, he's rejected the whole thing. Like, I don't want anything to do with any of it. Brian had a chance and picked the other place once already. Well, I guess the sec- I guess the concussion thing, they kind of... Depending what dark Twitter thing you want to listen to, he had a... Because there's also the idea that legally he couldn't leave, even though he may have wanted to. You know, the whole Ring of Honor deal that was on the table and that whole thing. But that's a whole other discussion. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. It's fun times. This is, you know, this is fun stuff. You know, whether they get one of them or both of them, um, maybe they don't get either one of them. Yeah. Maybe by the end of the show, we'll know that they did get one or the other, or both. Well, I do know. But you're right. It's it's exciting stuff. Why don't people enjoy this? This is great. Uh, They again, TK going going for my own heart here, debuting one of my close personal friends, Chavo Guerrero Jr. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's one of. uh, He is apparently. Uh, we don't know for sure, but he appears to have replaced Vicky Guerrero as Andrade's uh, executive. What the fuck is going on? I don't that's know. Funny. That's someone tweeted. Is this the dynamite after Mania? Like, what are you guys doing? They've lost their fucking minds. I don't know what's going on. Is that even an upgrade, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit about Chavo Neither. Guerrero? <laughs> I will not be smirched my close personal friend Chavo Guerrero Jr. So. Yeah, well, you know, you're trying to sell dumbbells. I'm, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just watching wrestling. You yeah, know? I, I, um, for the purposes of my shoot business, I can, uh, I cannot comment on Chavo Guerrero's. Uh, yeah, current situation. Joe, um, take the floor. What do you think about Chavo? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'll, I'm going to watch the show later. But I mean, <laughs> I got to sell if, some if, barbells, so I can't, uh, I can't, can't talk shit about Chavo. So, yeah, I don't know. Why doesn't Andrade just? Why does he need to have a manager? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Why doesn't he just have Alex Abrahantes or whatever? He does a nice job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they don't want to associate him with Death Triangle because he's that guy's already because he's gonna feud with Death Triangle. So I guess that's why you wouldn't use him. But um, I don't know. I guess I'll give it. I'll give it a chance. Chavo, <laughs> Chavo, Kerwin White. I will say there's one thing Chavo was great at doing, and that is getting work. That dude. Oh, Always yeah. involved in everything. I mean, he even when he's not in wrestling, he's in wrestling. He was doing the shit for like Glow. He was doing the shit for. Uh, he's probably involved in the Stephen Amell thing too. He's always working, man. Always, always Lucha working. Lucha Underground. Yeah, Lucha Underground. Yeah, always working. Yeah, good for him. He really does always get work. Yeah, hair loss replacement commercials, <laughs> right. which he then shaves, which is the best part. He right. gets he gets hair plugs and then buzzes it. 
<laughs> right, right. You think he'd grow it out? I know. Like, yeah, you got him, man. Go. Pay a lot of money for that. Those things aren't cheap, you know? You figure the company would want him to have like a Bob Armstrong fro yeah, out there, right, you know? Right, right. But he's, you're right. He's like shaving it down. You don't even see the benefits, no. really, you know? It's like, <laughs> what are you doing that if you're shaving the hair off? The point is to, yeah, it's an excellent point. Yeah, it should be down you to know? his fucking ankles. You know, hey, look how big my hair is. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it, it, it'd be like, uh, It'd be like getting the Frank Thomas fucking boner pills and then abstaining from sex. Like, right. what are we doing here? Like, you, you know, what do you need the testosterone for if you're not going to lay pipe? You know, you got to go lay some pipe. And she'll love it, you know? too. Yeah, because that, that's the real point about that commercial. They, they, no doubt they give you all the, oh, it's great for working out and muscles. And then they It'll do the give you energy. <laughs> right. And then at the you end, energy boost you need at 4 p.m. No, no, listen. And then at the end, about- there's the wife who's, who's stroking the, uh, the tennis club. Yes. In that one commercial, and they go, and she'll like it. <laughs> you know, Doug Flutie and, and yes. fucking who's the other? Oh, Andy Van Slyke. <laughs> yeah, Andy Van like, Slyke. And she'll like it too, as they're like, hey, you're going to get fucked by your husband. <laughs> All right. Right. <laughs> right. Enjoy right. that. Yeah. When you guys yeah. are done playing tennis. Yeah. It's going to plow town. <laughs> right. It's going to plow town. Yes. It's a household name, Andy Van Slyke. <laughs> I know. It's like, I get Doug Flutie and Frank yeah. Thomas. And then fucking. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time he appeared, I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? And they're like, Andy right. Van Slyke, you know, in the commercial. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah, you would walk like, into the gym and recognize Andy Van Slyke. Like, Frank Thomas, trust me, I've seen that man in real life. He is six foot four. 230 you know 275 pounds like you know what frank thomas looks like when you walk into a room like he's a very large man there's no misidentifying frank thomas like you, you know frank thomas doug flutie I, I i mean i think i would recognize doug flutie i don't know i think i feel like most people would probably recognize doug flutie right he listen frank thomas and doug flutie still look like yes frank thomas <laughs> and doug flutie Andy Van Slyke looks like Anakin Skywalker dying at the end of Return of the Jedi when he takes the helmet off. Like he he doesn't look like Andy. And and who even remembers? <laughs> I don't know if Andy I remember Van what Andy Van Slyke, Slyke looked like. Yeah, I don't know if I can tell you what Andy Van Slyke looked like when he was playing for the Pirates in their in their prime. So right. So it's like a guy that nobody remembers to begin with. <laughs> It's he's like a one and a half war player from 1987 <laughs> that no one remembers except me and you and our fathers. And and you don't. And even if you remember the name, you don't know what he looked like. And he doesn't look like he used to look either. Like Doug Flutie still looks like <laughs> right, Doug right, Flutie. Right. Doug Flutie's been calling Notre Dame games since 19, you know, 2002. He's still on TV every Saturday. Frank Thomas still looks like Frank Thomas did in 1999. Andy Van Slyke is just a, a nice little baseball player from 1987, but but it's good to know that he still has a powerful boner. Yeah, that's right. That's Thanks. yeah. Thanks to New Genics, I believe is that we got to get them to sponsor us as we Genics. I would love to get Barry one third of their advertising, but. Yeah, I think yeah. you could at least. I I think safely. I, I think very safe. I can make this bet. I think you could sell more boner pills than Andy Van Slyke could. I, without question. Like a one-to-one, like, if Andy Van Slyke had a promo code and you had a promo code, I think you sell more boner pills. I would beat Andy Van Slyke, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. You're not I beating could, Flutie. I, could... I don't, yeah, I don't no, think so. Not. And I don't think you're probably. beating Frank Thomas either. So. No, I mean, that'd be a tough task. But uh, I think I could beat Andy Van Slyke. No, you could, I think you very easily could beat Andy Van Slyke. 
Yeah. It's well, more my brand. I mean, yeah, my whole for brand sure. is right, right, right. I've made 19 dick jokes on this show so far. <laughs> I mean, that's the brand. You know, so that it felt fits the whole, you know, I'm not going to be afraid to go there as they say, mm-hmm. you know, to sell the pills, I'll go anywhere, you know. I'll bring personal experience into play. I've come on here and talked about pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the big kangaroo you know? or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Yeah, big kangaroo. Absolutely. <laughs> I see that one every so often. <laughs> Skin ripping boner. It was unbelievable. It was terrifying. I, I see that one at, at gas stations sometimes. And without yeah. failure, Michelle sees that I see it. And the nurse sees that I see it. Yeah. And she goes, I know, I know. <laughs> like, don't tell me the story about Joe's yeah. ripping boner again. She doesn't want to hear about my boner. No, she's, she's like, I don't like, care. Don't and I'm like, I mean, he talks about that all the time about his boner. She's like, I know, I don't care. <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. ripping boner about it and i tell her anyway it doesn't matter i'm just like you know the big kangaroo yeah. she's like okay all right just tell the fucking story <laughs> i felt like it was gonna rip from my skin it was ridiculous <laughs> that's the danger of taking a boner pill if you have a normally functioning penis it's like you it, it you don't need that extra power it's completely unnecessary it was a little scary to be completely honest but uh there's the rhino 10,000. you know the rhino i think yeah i, I, see, I see that one every so often yeah I got one in the drawer. I'm, I'm terrified to pop it though because it's it, it's a giant capsule with these little <laughs> yeah, balls see, see, inside. Yes. I have like, seen that. You can see you can see the the, the pill. Uh, I think through the box, or at least it's like a clear box or whatever. When I'm at a this like gas station around the corner for me has it, and I'm just like I always look at that. I'm like man, I don't know. <laughs> like that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. That's it's, a big pill. <laughs> it's a what's big in pill. that thing? <laughs> like I don't really want to know. That's, it's a it's a big pill with a lot of little pills inside, and you can see them because it's a capsule style. Yeah, you know, it's like a Tylenol where you see the little balls inside. You know those kind of oh, Tylenols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like twice the size of that. I'm not even sure I could swallow this thing without like extra effort. It's huge. And then it's got the the hologram of the rhino on the fucking box art, like a charging rhino coming at you. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be much. Yeah, too much. Which is the kind of imagery you want, honestly, if you're looking for boner power. You want a charging rhino. That's a good idea. Probably a better idea than the kangaroo, right? Like, What's with the kangaroo? Yeah, more jumpy, more kind of quick twitched, you know what I mean? Versus, yeah, the rhino. Yeah, the rhino's just all power. Just brute yeah, force and power. power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's honestly a little intimidating. I still haven't taken it. Um, that pill. I, I'm, I'm a little scared of it, to be completely honest. But, um, uh, oh, Chavo Guerrero led us to this. So mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, Thank in you a round. Well. In a roundabout way, as He's the surprises traveling. just keep coming. Not traveling yeah. real. So okay, that is that is Daniel Bryan, CM Punk. Uh, that is that. Um, I, I should note here the, the the one thing about Bryan as well, and this is from PW Insider uh, over the weekend as well, is they said Bryan was not a part of recent lists of uh, talent plans for licensing and merchandising, uh, and was not scheduled for any action figure releases as well in the year. But uh, that stuff is always, you know what I mean. That, that can be kind of loose, but I don't know. Relatively telling, I guess. But uh, oh, well, the guys not under contract, right? Do you have exactly. That, that, we get that every time with the Brock Lesnar thing, where they're like, "Oh, they took Brock Lesnar's stuff down from the store," and it's like, "Yeah, he's under contract." Like, you know, they yeah, no shit. They yeah, they're not allowed to sell his likeness if he's not under contract. Like, that's that's fine. Yeah, we get that. Yeah, but anyway, they'll sign him. They'll put it back up. Absolutely. So that's that. That's Sam Bryan, and that is CM Punk. Uh, you want to uh, you want to stick with the WWE here? Talk Money in the Bank. Yeah, we gotta do money in the bank. Yeah, let's do it. Money in the bank. It's uh, Sunday on the old uh, sort of the Peacock. I guess this is a good opportunity, Joe, to plug uh, Ex- Express VPN, uh, voicewrestling.com slash express, because halfway through the show, uh, Peacock took an absolute shit. Uh, so if you're watching on Peacock, you missed a lot of it, but you don't have to miss all of it. 
voiceofwrestling.com slash express. And you're talking about all these great shows that you're watching up on your old network as well. Uh, which, yeah. you know, some of that stuff is available on Peacock. But, you know, they, there's still a shit ton of stuff that they said. They have 30 days, Joe, as of this recording. They have 30 days to get everything up that they said they were going to get up. And that yeah. shit, half that stuff's not even up there. Get out of here. Drop no. mid-south and make me think that you got everything up there. 30 days until they just promised at SummerSlam they would have everything that was on the current network up on Peacock. I don't buy it, Joe. But anyway, uh, voice the rest on a com slash express to get on ExpressBPN. And then uh, you can live uh, where Joe and I live. Uh, he lives on the Docklands. I live in a McDonald's in Melbourne. And uh, I get to do every network whenever I want. So, so can we dispel? Um, they've been shutting down uh, some VPNs lately, WWE Network. But the thing is... Um, if you're gonna use Express VPN, give the give the give the uh, voiceswrestling.com/slash/express. Yeah, what you need to do is you have to set it up with a foreign address outside the United States. That's the key. Um, that's a very important part of this, which is why Rich chose some random McDonald's in Australia. <laughs> um, what do you mean random? Well, any McDonald's will do. I live in, there. Any, <laughs> that's where you, I live. That's right. You yeah. live there. <laughs> right. Correct. Um, but yeah, you have to pick a foreign address. As long as you do that and you pay with PayPal, okay, uh, you should be good. Where people are getting nabbed is they're either using a free VPN, which are easier to detect, okay? And this is a pay service, but you're going to get what you pay for here. Or they're not setting their ad- they're still setting their address to an American address because they're paying with a debit card or something, and the address has to be linked to the debit card. That's you're you're probably going to get caught. At right, some point. you're letting them know that you're from America, and, and they're going to know that you're. And you're not breaking the law or anything, but they're going to prevent you from logging into the network through the VPN at that point. So, uh, use the foreign address, pay with PayPal, and you should be all right because. Uh, all these people are getting nabbed. I have not. I watch every day. I log into the network every single day. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash v, uh, ExpressVPN. And, just um, Express. Just Express. I, I, I suppose I can make an ExpressVPN too. But um, No, nah, just leave it Express. Yeah, just I, I'm confusing everybody. I can do both. I can do both. But All right. Use so Express. We'll use slash Express. That'll work a little bit better for you. Yeah. And that'll, yeah. So uh, if you want the full powered network that doesn't die in the middle of a pay-per-view for 20 minutes. Um, now, what they missed was some hilarious Matt Riddle comedy when uh, when the network dropped out this past Sunday. And then the beginning of the, uh, I think, men's Money in the Bank match. I but think Rich, only entrances. You and only I entrances. didn't have to worry about Yeah, that. no problems at all. I think, I think it went through, as far as I could f- follow on Twitter, I think it went through the hilarious Matt Riddle comedy that, that was just a, a barrel of laughs. I can't even recreate it. It was so funny. Uh, obviously, if you're on the network, you could have seen the, the, this, this amazing comedy. Uh, that happened, but uh, yeah, I think you got all the way through the uh, the the entrances of the Money in the Bank, and maybe the first minute or two, and then Peacock came back after that. But you, you missed, you know, you missed some good stuff. You missed entrances and a great comedy segment. So, um, and you're missing all the other shit that was on the network before, and that they claim that they're going to put on Peacock, but you and I know that they're not going to put on Peacock. That they're so. never going to put on Peacock. Yeah. And the great organization. Yes, because Peacock's organization is uh, pretty terrible. So. Yeah. Unless you know how uh, many seasons the King of the Ring is. So. <laughs> listen. <laughs> As I've said, I don't think I'm ever switching to Peacock, even if they get everything up. It's just I, I, I'm willing to pay a little bit extra for the VPN and all to have the the original old school network. It's just so much better. Um, but anyway, Money in the Bank, which once again had technical problems on Peacock, but not the original network. Um, look, I thought the show was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. 
I liked I liked way more than I did like uh, on the show. Um, hot crowd, great crowd, really really brought the entire building. I mean, just just having that building full and they popped for they were an easy as hell crowd, which is fine. That's good. People use that as like a derogatory thing. Like you should be have an easy crowd. Like if you're a good wrestling company, you'll have an easy crowd. Because the crowd believes in you and trusts you and cares and all that sort of stuff. Like that is the goal of a wrestling company is to have an easy crowd that goes nuts for all, everything that you do. That's what you want. So I always hear people say, "Oh, there's an easy crowd." Like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's what I want. But you know, this is an easy crowd. Obviously, being that they haven't seen wrestling, they haven't seen live wrestling in, in a long time. They haven't seen live WWE wrestling in a long time. But I thought the crowd really, really helped the show. And I thought, you know, you can even take the crowd out of it. And I think this was a pretty. A pretty solid show with a lot more, yeah. Like I said, that I liked that uh, you know a lot more that I liked that I uh, over that you know other than I didn't like you know that very very few things I did not like on the show. We got to address this though with the crowd. I mean, you were right; they're never going to stop sweetening the no, crowd. Never. They're never going to stop slapping the buttons. Um, there were very obvious moments in the opener, the women's money in the bank, where by the way, talk about easy crowd. About two of these women got any kind of reaction coming out. I think Liv Morgan. I can't remember whether Naomi got a reaction or not. She got good reactions during the match, but I don't know if her entrance did. Zelina, Maybe. I think, got a decent pop when she came out. Well, Tamina got nothing. Um, I was I thought Zelina got nothing too. Maybe I'm mixing the, up Zelina and someone else, but Nikki got nothing as well, for sure. Nikki got nothing. Yeah. Um, which is like, wow, you're the first people out, and some of you were getting nothing. <laughs> but then during the match, it was so obvious that they were doing shit with uh, reactions because, like, Tamina would hit an offensive move and it would go boo, that fake boo, mm-hmm. where it's so obvious it's fake. And then someone would do something to Tamina and you'd get the fake vacuum cheering, yay! And then Tamina would do something and it would go boo for the same length of time, for the same tone. Like, they don't even mix it up. They just have one boo button. Yeah, like I said, there's there's a guy at the desk and there's a giant button that says boo and then a giant button that says yay. And they just click it. Yeah, it's, I <laughs> love it. it comes yeah. across like such shit. <laughs> like it's just – it's so um, – and you know, it's distracting. I saw someone tweet this and I completely agree. It may have been Garrett Kidney. Let's give him credit anyway. But I think it uh, was He deserves Garrett. it. Yeah, Garrett deserves it. Give it to him. I'm 90% certain it was him, but I saw his tweet and I was like, motherfucker, I agree completely. When I watch WWE shows now, I am totally distracted by watching the crowd to see if the crowd reactions match the actual crowd. It's distracting Mm -hmm. to me now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm watching the crowd to see, okay, are these people really booing? No, everyone's just sitting there. No one's making this sound that's coming out of my speakers. This chant, no one's doing it. So you can easily tell when they're pressing buttons by just looking at the crowd. They'll, they're sitting there bored. No one, they're all looking at their phones. No one's mouths are moving. And you hear this boo for Tamina when she does, I don't know, a fucking uh, front kick to the chest on Zelina Vega. You know, So it's irritating. And what it does is it makes you question every pop on the show. Was this really as loud as it came across? Did they add to it? Because they did that for um, uh, Bianca Belair on SmackDown. It was very obvious they sweetened the reaction she got coming out on on SmackDown, that first night where they had the crowds back. And, And in her case, it was obvious. 
But on some of these shows where the crowd's going crazy, we may not be able to tell if they're sweetening it or adding to it. It's rich. It sucks because yeah. that's the mm-hmm. of pro wrestling. Is who's getting a reaction and who's not. And they've compl- and listen, yes, they've been doing it forever. We have all the stupid people in our mansion saying, "Well, they've been sweetening crowds forever." Yeah, yeah but what not about Hulk crowds. Hogan and Sid and Royal Rumble '92? Yeah, that was in the edits. That was in the Coliseum video. Yeah, this is this whole doing it with live crowds is a relatively new thing. Right. I mean, they were they've doing done it, it for a SmackDown bit. for decades. They've done it for Coliseum Taped. video. Yeah, all taped stuff. Yeah, and it's like, and it was so obvious on the tape shows, but it's like this, this again, it, it fucks with what the essence of what wrestling is. But they again, they don't want to be wrestling. You know, they want to be this content farm, and you know that whole conversation we've been having for months and months, and it just sucks as a fan, as someone who's interested in who's over and who's not over. And um, you can't, it's, it's, I mean, you could, you look, Edge has come out on all these shows and gotten monster reactions. Those are obviously real, um, you know, but it's like some of these in between ones, it's like, it's hard to tell. And it's just shitty. You know, it's just shitty. Just let the fucking chips fall. If someone's not over, isn't that a good thing to know? So you can stop. Right. I would, I would prefer to know that. Yeah. I would prefer to know that like in in any business, you would prefer to know what's working and what's not working as opposed to just being, you know, lying to yourself and saying, oh, this is working. Yeah, that's fine. No, no, no. It's working. It's working. Cause that's, that's just bad business. That's just a stupid way to run a business. But when um, there's a menu item that doesn't sell, I don't tell my bosses we sold a thousand. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. We get it off the menu. I mean, you know, what are we doing here? You know, get Tamina off the menu. <laughs> right, Tamina needs to be off the you menu know? immediately. <laughs> yes. Get her out of here. She's useless. No one cares about her, and she sucks. Um, but yes, yeah, so I guess we'll start with that match. I mean, yeah. Well, um, I was gonna say out of the gates, this is the uh, the match I probably hated the most. Um, I thought this was atrocious. It's I, not good. This was really, really bad. It, it speaks to everything that we talked about last week when we were making fun of this division and making fun of that photo. And just what is this division now? What have you done? I mean, you have access and you have had access to like most of the top women's wrestlers over the last, you know, four or five years or whatever are in your system or have been in your system or, you know, whatever. And this is what you spit out here in this Money in the Bank match is 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 this. And like there wasn't even I mean, the work wasn't even good at any point. Like and there's some good workers in here. Asuka's a good worker. I think at, at, at her core, Alexa Bliss is a decent worker. I think Nikki Cross is a decent worker. I think Liv Morgan's solid. Eh, Natalia, Naomi, Tamina, Selena. Well, hey, you know what? They're cool too. But uh, like, even with that being said, like there was nothing. It was all about the sideshow of look at these silly people doing silly things the entire time, which is really weird when you have a match with, with such stakes as this Money in the Bank ladder match. But you know, I don't know. It, it's to me, it just it, it was a microcosm of all the issues that this women's that, that that women in this company have right now. Where it's just what. What direction are you going with this? What are you doing? Why why are these people so weird and strange and odd? Like what what what's the goal here? What's the end game? Yeah, man, I just thought it sucked. Yeah, I mean you got Alex, you got Alexa Bliss and Zelina Vega climbing up the ladder. Alexa Bliss stares at Zelina Vega and goes, Yeah, well, right. we were gonna get we were gonna get the one yeah, zombie yeah, spot. Yeah. It's know? just kind of funny, it's the one that redebuts Lena Vega when they do it too. Right. And she right. walks down the ladder because Alexa Bliss <laughs> made her walk down the ladder. And then just the ending too is so funny. You got all these dorks fighting, and then here comes the superhero who almost a superhero who climbs up and, and steals the money in the bank out of that. So like people talking about how, what a tremendous accomplishment it was, and she just like you know comes in through the back door, you know, and and, and wins it. It's not even like a 
a true, it's not even like a she earned it type of win. You, you know what I mean? It's one of those kind of backhanded wins that they, they like to do as well. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll disagree with you slightly. I think there's more shitty wrestlers in this match than there are good wrestlers. We kind of talked about it last week. And, um, you know, they had their pre-planned stunts like you do in the ladder matches. Just none of it landed. It just wasn't good. Um, the, the the fake crowd reactions were very distracting in this match, more than some of the other matches. And, uh, you know, the Alexa Bliss stuff always falls flat with me. Um, there was some booing when Alexa Bliss did that spot. Did you yes. notice that? Yes, there was very and much. Did you and did you notice on Raw when they did Alexa's Funhouse or whatever with uh, Eva Marie and Dewdrop? <laughs> Dewdrop, yeah. That uh, they they turn the crowd off. Yeah, mute it. Yeah, that's weird because I I've been told it's, Joe that this is really over and people love it. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Evidence seems to be going the other way on that. Um, I think in her entrance, I noticed this a little bit too. She came out and there was initial boos and then there was cheers. It was one of those, you know, like, you know, actual boos and the like cheer, the the vacuum, you know, the airport, there's, uh, you know, cheers for her when she came down. But yeah, I think I don't think the fans like Alexa Bliss very much. So there's a, definitely a segment of fans who do. Um, you know, there's creeps paying eight hundred dollars for her to give them twenty five second cameos. I mean, so. And we know that the Reddit mutants are into this, you know, Alexa and Bray Wyatt stuff. So there's a segment of the fan base who likes this stuff. But, um, you know, the, the, the early returns with fans are not good so far when it comes to Alexa. I mean, you know, Asuka was like a ghost in this match. She did nothing. I, she did so little in this match, I thought she was going to win. Because I thought it was going to be the deal where everyone else gets some shine because Asuka's going to win. You know how they like to do that? Yeah, right, right. Like, I was convinced she was going to win the match because I, I kept forgetting she was actually in the match. Um, And yeah, you know, I think Zelina Vega, she isn't any good. And Tamina's no good. Natalia is very overrated by some people, other people. Other people, I kind of think she's kind of underrated. I don't think she's as bad as people say, but I don't think she's as good as the people who think she's good think she is, if that makes any sense. Uh, Naomi, I think, is just a it just exists. I don't have any fucking. She is uh, Joe. Did you know she's a SmackDown talent now? As of yes, they moved her over. Yes. Did you Um, know she was a Raw talent before this? uh, (laughs) (laughs) I did not. Yeah, I did. uh, Yeah, I don't know if I get a. I'd have to think about that one. Um, (laughs) I saw the news report breaking. Naomi (laughs) traded to SmackDown. Oh, okay, (laughs) cool. Liv Morgan, who our own Andy Labar finally pinned down her gimmick. He says that she's a, uh, I'm like, what is Liv Morgan supposed to be? And he's like, she's a, uh, she's, she's a velvet painting of a sad clown. (laughs) I'm like, that's it. That's what she is. He nailed it. The first person to figure out what Liv Morgan is supposed to be. Right. Um, Yeah. And Alexa, I guess she can be good, but she's not with this gimmick and Nikki's fine. Uh, but yeah, it's just a look. We made fun of it last week, and it it ended up being terrible. I mean, I I had a feeling it was going to be terrible. So yeah, the big spot in this match too, which is funny, is 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 Nikki jumping off that ladder on everybody, but she fucking blew it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she jumped off, yeah. which I, I again is the comedy that they probably want out of this character, which again speaks to a lot of issues. Is like she jumps, the ladder falls behind her. She barely makes it to the ring. She barely makes it to the people. But, like, they showed a replay right away. So, obviously, they thought, ah, oh, that's good shit. You know what I mean? And it's probably exactly what they wanted out of this almost a superhero character is for her to 
I'll come up there. And 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 calling her almost a superhero every single time is just fucking grating as hell. It's just it's terrible, 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 terrible. But well, I guess we can we can work raw into this a bit so she cashes in on raw and she wins now we all know this is just to artificially fluff up charlotte's numbers right i mean charlotte's gonna beat her either next week or on the next pay-per-view or very shortly yeah, Charlotte. Yes. this is not the beginning of a long nikki ash run so no um and she got the big pop for winning on raw but that's the title change pop and that's the cash in pop right anybody's gonna get that the character Good for her. She probably extended her WWE career by uh, by years with this character, or there's at least a chance that she has. Do I think this is going to catch on and be some kind of you know big draw, even with kids? And no, I do not. I don't. I don't think this gimmick is going to. Um, there's nothing kids kinda... love more than stupid shit. Yeah, kids love stupid shit. I love this idea that hey, hey yeah, you got to make something I... dumb as fuck because kids are going to love it. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, Hurricane kids? worked. Hurricane worked, I guess. Did it? Have any... I mean, did it? I mean, he he did he that. Got, I mean, he got a, a lot time. of money out. Of it. I mean, he got a job for it, but who watched because of the hurricane? I mean, I'm not suggesting it was like a main event gimmick, but for its place on the card, I think it was over more so than some of the others they've tried. Sure, sure. I, I, I would like, agree. Yeah, like shit, it was not over. Um, who are the other? They they've done other superheroes. Um, can't think of them off the top of my head, but it never works. With the exception of Hurricane, I guess. Um, and again, at that, he's just a lower mid-carder. Anyway, you know, he's a, a successful for being a lower mid-carder. So, I, you know, I don't know. What else do you want me to say? Yeah. We're spending a lot of time on this We shit. really are. Let's let's move on. Yeah, this match was, was bad, so we should move on here. Uh, Raw Tag Team Title Match here. AJ Styles and Omos defeat the Viking Raiders to retain the uh, Raw Tag Team Titles. Hey, I did note here, this was ever, actually interesting. It's a new kind of directive, I guess, from WWE. Is uh, throughout this show they were doing callbacks of hey remember on this pay per view when this person did this and uh, they did that on the first show they showed a bunch of you know they did for Charlotte hey here's when she won all of her other titles uh, unfortunately with this Raw Tag Team Title match they went back to last year when the Viking Raiders uh, and the Street Profits had their uh, Viking basketball game thing <laughs> for last year which I was like yeah. I guess I mean I, I I suppose but they're like hey do you remember when the Viking Raiders did this and it's like okay yeah I didn't but then I had to remember again that they did this but I thought this, this was a pretty okay match I thought all things considered not great not like an incredible you know bell to bell match but I think a, a solid enough story told uh, by both these guys and and, and uh, yeah I, I, I like this I thought it was perfectly fine yeah I mean Another thing that's not over is eating turkey legs and being a fucking Renaissance Festival dork because the the Viking guys are not over. Or they weren't in front of this crowd. Um, this crowd thought AJ Styles was still a babyface. I mean, it was crazy how AJ and Omos have clearly and firmly been heels this entire time. But they were getting all of the uh, positive reactions in this match. So... Um, if this were run like a traditional wrestling company where normal rules applied and normal logic applied, I would think that the Viking Raiders would maybe be off TV or they'd have to rethink how they push them or maybe a heel turn is in the cards because these guys just weren't over. But as we know, in this company, nothing means anything. So who the fuck knows? I mean, they'll probably win the tag team titles next week. Right. But um, that was my biggest takeaway here, how, how they are just the complete opposite of over. I don't want to call this my favorite match on the entire show, but I don't think I enjoyed a match more than I enjoyed the WWE title match. Bobby Lashley 
defeating Kofi Kingston by referee's decision in seven minutes. Bell rings. Kofi gets a few hope spots. And then essentially for the next seven minutes, Bobby Lashley beats the fuck out of this guy, beats him into a pulp until the referee finally decides, please stop. You've killed this man enough. The match is over. I love this. It's fucking great. Exactly what I said they should have done. Oh my god, it's perfect. It's so and and what's best too is the crowd goes nuts. They're booing Lashley. They're going, you know, and, and everyone's saying, "Oh my god, Lashley! Oh my god!" And it's like wrestling is so simple. Just have a guy. The, what they've done with Bobby Lashley over the last year and a half, Joe, is he wins all of his matches and he beats guys convincingly. And he's yeah, arguably the company's biggest star. And he lost via banana peel to Xavier Woods, which refocused him right he said get these broads out of here get these cars out of here i'm just gonna go back yeah. and whoop ass and mvp goes all right cool i'll get rid of the broads i'll get rid of the cars just go whoop ass bell rings here and just goes out there and whips ass it's I, I listen we've said it all along this show has no problem with the bobby last no. push any step no, no, away no, no, he, no, no, he's no, been no. pushed perfectly i have problems how they don't set anybody up to be the guy to knock him off they're not building anyone well. same problem <laughs> on the other show and yeah, now we got one but yeah well you know we'll get to raw but this is exactly what I said last week in the preview on the overrun, $5 tier, that this should be a squash. Because if you're setting this guy up for Bill Goldberg, what's Bill Goldberg's whole fucking MO? He's a guy who does squash matches, right? So it works from that perspective. The other thing here is Kofi Kingston is perfect to get squashed in a scenario like this because number one, he's over. So it's going to. It's gonna. It, it, it's heat. Yeah. Oh, the crowd. Like the crowd Kofi. hated. Oh, the crowd hated yeah. Bobby Lashley after this. Hated yeah. him. People like Kofi. He's over. It's more effective to do it with someone who's over rather than doing it to Eric of the Viking Raiders. So Kofi is over enough to where it's effective, but he's also someone where you're not hurting him because you're never pushing him at that level. So he's perfect. Kofi Kingston's never gonna be a top guy. Okay. Uh, he was a top. He's forty years old. He's his die has been cast as a mid carter. When they tried him as a top guy, it did not work. Okay, you know we've been over that a million times. Go watch his matches as champion, not the build up, not the title win, where he was enormously over in a great match and all that. But they didn't want to see him as champion. They wanted to see him win the title, but they didn't want to see him be the champion. And we've seen that historically in wrestling before. So he's a guy you're never going to push because you can't because people don't accept him as a top guy because we've been they've been taught for a decade that he's not a top guy, but he's popular enough to where the squash, uh, where if you squash him, it's going to get the right kind of heat for your heel. So that's why I thought this was the way to go. I didn't think they'd have the guts to do it, but they did have the guts to do it. Lashley just beat the living shit out of him until the referee stopped the match. It was great. This was classic pro wrestling, you know, and, and Kofi also is the kind of guy who, you know, he, he can, he can bump and sell like a, like he's, he's just perfect in every way. Oh for yeah. This. yeah. He, he made, he looked, I mean, you felt for this guy when it was you yes. know six minutes into this match. You're like, Oh my God, this guy's getting absolutely pulverized. And he's so, yeah, he did. He played his role perfectly. Lashley put his role perfectly. I thought the announcers were perfect. I mean, this was, this is pro wrestling and it's so simple. And it's so easy, and it's so effective. Yet, 
all up and down this show and all up and down. Everyone's guilty of this. Every single wrestling company is guilty of this. I'm just yeah. overthinking wrestling. It's not fucking hard. It's so simple. And they yeah. show you with this Lashley story. They have done nothing with Lashley. That's been everything that he's done for the last year and a half is he comes out. He looks like a badass. He wears cool suits. He has a guy that talks for him. Then the bell rings. Then he kicks ass and he wins titles. And that's it. And that's that's what wrestling has done for 50 years. And it's worked perfectly. And for some reason, we just avoid this. And we go in the most weird directions we could possibly go. Where at the end of the day, it's just not that hard. No, not you can't do the same thing with every single person. But at its core, guy wins matches. Guy convincingly beats other people. Guy wins titles. It's not hard. Bobby Lashley has no business selling for Kofi Kingston no. in this scenario. No. And then they people will tell you the one misstep was breaking up the Hurt business and whatnot. I don't think that was the misstep. The misstep was the handling of the guys who got kicked out of the Hurt business. The follow-up on those guys was terrible because they just did nothing with them. I don't mind breaking Lashley away from those guys. That That wasn't the mistake. I don't think that was a mistake. They just didn't. It, that didn't catapult those dudes to to anything further in the aftermath. So I really have no complaints at all, start to finish with this Lashley push. So, and I guess we can do Goldberg after we break down the pay per view, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Let, let's do that. We'll talk about all the yeah. all the returns there. But uh, then we had the Raw Women's Title match. I uh, my leader in the clubhouse for worst feud of the year, but I it may have lost it here because you always talk about this with Charlotte. Where sometimes with a Charlotte match, and, and and I should say every time with a Charlotte match, there there's one of two ways it can go. Charlotte is always going to be reckless, and she's always going to do shit, and she's probably going to hurt the other person. She's probably going to hurt herself. And sometimes the match is an absolute disaster, and you're like, Jesus Christ, what are they going for here? Nothing is working. And sometimes you go, Jesus Christ, this match is a disaster. What are they going for here? Nothing is working. This match fucking rules. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's oh, it's the same thing. She wrestles reckless and out of control, and she, nothing makes sense, and everything's ridiculous. Sometimes it's weird and odd, and you don't really quite get it, and sometimes it just works. This is one of the ones that worked. I thought these two went out there and just did shit. It didn't all look good, but it resembled a fight. It felt like a fight, and and it kind of felt reckless, and it felt like one of these two women was going to walk out in a fucking cast and you know get put into an ambulance, and that made it kind of fun. So I like this. I thought this was pretty damn good. Yeah, this is. I think you you know you nailed my talking point. I don't have much to add. This is one of those Charlotte Flair matches, which they're they're almost always a train wreck. But sometimes they're a train wreck in the bad way, like a lot of the matches against Rhea Ripley. Um, really, everything they've done in between yes. WrestleMania <laughs> and Tampa and this match, because the Tampa match was good, the first WrestleMania in the Performance Center. And this match has been sloppy, you know, and it's like, but this was sloppy in all the right ways because you felt like somebody might die. And they were working stiff with each other and they were dropping each other on their heads. And it worked. And I thought, you know, this was a contender for match of the night. And, um, you know, you said everything I wanted to say. I really liked it, but I'm with you. The feud fucking stinks. We talked about the angle the next night where once again, Charlotte gets herself disqualified with the belt shot. Um, you know, and then they do the cash in after Rhea beats her up or whatever. But, um, yeah, the feud can go kick rocks. The feud stinks. It's not doing anything for Ripley. Um, yeah, I'm losing faith in Ripley by the week. How can you not? It's the same old story with this company, but, uh, but this match, yeah, I thought this match kicked ass. 
Yeah, not much else really to add about this. Uh, I thought uh, there was an interesting point here where, uh, I don't know, they, they either scrambled or they had no idea what to do or, or, or something happened. But there was loud, we want Becky chance. And I was watching, I actually had to watch this part. Uh, well, good. Yeah. And and so I, I was curious because I actually, I jumped, I was jumping between the two. I, I my, my network thing was being a little weird. Uh, so I jumped to Peacock for this match. But on WWE Network, did it go to black when Charlotte Flair flicked the crowd off or no? Not that I noticed, no. Interesting. That's strange. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, so I, uh, I don't know. Our yeah, international I, listeners might. Right, I'm curious. So what essentially what happened is you got a We Want Becky chant, yeah. and then Charlotte flicked the crowd off, but like they went to black, but then they returned from black. Well, you still saw her like flicking the crowd off. Well, you know, God forbid we do something organic on the show. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like that would be great that she's flipping yeah. off the crowd. And you're you're building heat. And it made the, and then the what happened was, and I think this actually helped the match a little bit too, is Charlotte's stomping around the ring. People say, we want Becky, we want Becky. She flicks the crowd off, and then she just stares at Rhea and fucking slaps her. It was like, all right, let's fucking yeah. go. Like, now I'm pissed. Like, I'm upset. Like, that could have worked. Yeah, in any other normal wrestling company, they would utilize that as a story yeah. of the match. That these two women are out here busting their ass, and everyone's chanting for, you know, and you could use it as a story. Charlotte Flair could say, hey, I'm busting my ass out here, and you're chanting for Becky Lynch, who she's not even around. Where the hell is she? You know, you would use that as a, as a positive. But, yeah, of course. you. Well, what do you think the crowd's going to do in a match where they can't figure out who the baby is? <laughs> right, and they don't like the feud because the feud's been horrendous. And, yeah, you right. don't know who to cheer for, and you don't know what's going on. And it was in the yeah. beginning of the match. because they And they bought in. When this match was done, this crowd was all in on this match. They loved this match when it was done, but at the beginning, because the feud fucking stinks, they had no idea what to root for, no idea who to cheer for. Well, that may have motivated Charlotte both in kayfabe and in reality. She may have been a she may have been a legitimate. Well, she was. She gave the crowd the finger, so she was legitimately insulted that they were shitting on her match and her feud and chanting for someone who wasn't there. And that may have motivated her to put in the performance that she did, and maybe that helped them go into this extra gear that we're talking about where they worked stiff as fuck and the match looked dangerous and it looked real and you could buy in, you know? So again, I think this is a good thing. I mean, if, if from a company perspective, great, Becky's still over, yeah, like tremendously over. But what it would also tell me as someone who's a booker or it would also tell me, okay, this feud is not over because if there was a strong, Babyface in this feud, that's the name they'd be chanting. The fans had to find their own person to get behind because they don't want to get behind either of these people. And that is a massive hole in the storytelling where neither of these, the fans don't find either of these women likable. And why the fuck would they? Neither one of them are likable. So they chanted for Becky. But yeah. Maybe that lit a fire under Charlotte because she beat the living shit yes. out of Rhea Ripley in this match. <laughs> yeah. And Ripley gave it back. But the thing is, Charlotte can beat – she's got that you know, that carte blanche. She can beat up anyone she wants because she's fucking Charlotte. Yeah, Rhea's got to be a little more careful about it. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, she can't go out there and give some stiff shots to Charlotte. But Charlotte was definitely giving some stiff shots to Rhea uh, yeah. uh, throughout this. But uh, yeah, I mean obviously it's hard – like. Six years ago, would I get upset that Charlotte beat Rhea to win the title? Yeah, probably. But now, who fucking cares? Because she just lost no, the no, title. no. Rhea Ripley, like I said, forget it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, they're not. Yeah, I don't care about quickie title changes. I don't quick about. I don't care who wins what matches. Like we're we're past that. We're, we're past analyzing that stuff. You know when we were past that when Charlotte beat her at WrestleMania in Tampa. Yeah, the first Tampa, the performance center. That when we had that whole follow up rant and everything. that's it. They, that's it. They, they showed right there. They weren't interested and. How can you be mad about any of this? This is just their typical. This is the way they do things. Yep. It's you know, it's so you can't get you can't get mad about it. 
But in a vacuum, I really enjoyed the match. Uh, then we'll go to the men's money in the bank here. This is Big E winning the uh, briefcase. He defeated Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, Ricochet Riddle, uh, and Seth Rollins. I thought this was pretty damn good. I mean, this is a, right up there with like other Money in the Bank matches that I've seen in, in, in history. I mean, I probably like some of the ones from like the mid-2000s a little bit more. Your WrestleMania ones, your kind of Shelton Benjamin showcase Money in the Banks a little bit more. But I thought this one hit all the notes perfectly. I think it, it, it did exactly what it needed to do. There was enough guys in this match that could do really cool stuff and really cool spots. And Kevin Owens getting, you know, taking huge bumps and going through ladders. John Morrison doing crazy flips. Uh, Ricochet doing crazy flips, Drew McIntyre being the power guy. You know, I, I think everybody kind of played their role perfectly. And I, I think as far as this gimmick goes, like there's a certain ceiling on what these types of gimmick matches and these types of ladder matches are going to be for me. But I think as far as what these matches are in, in, in 2021, this is probably uh, the best representation of one of them. I mean, I thought this was solid as hell. And I think Big E winning was, was a great moment, a cool moment. And uh, yeah, it, it kind of unified everybody. Everybody was like, "Hell yeah, that's awesome, Big E. That's perfect. That's great for him." So uh, hopefully, it's the beginning of a, of a huge push for him. But we'll we'll see. Yeah, I'm totally burnt out on these kinds of matches, but this one ruled. I thought it was really good. Um, and and a lot of these ladder matches lately, I come on here and give the same review to every one of them. Yeah. I don't. I'm burnt out on it. I don't know. I guess it was good, but this one I legitimately liked. Um, you know, I thought Ricochet was phenomenal. Um, everyone, everyone was good. I mean, you know, and and the right guy won, like you said, the right guy won. Um, do I have faith that they'll go all the way with Big E? Of course not. Um, I have no reason to have faith that they're ever going to. Yeah. How could you? But the other thing is I, I don't have faith in Big E himself. And I want to expand on this a little. I don't like the things that come out of his mouth. Like I, I, I think he just, I don't think he gets it. I think he's convinced that he can get over being funny guy. And I don't think you can not at that level. Um, I, I don't like a media interview. I read this week where he fought and resisted splitting up the new day multiple times over the last few years. And I'm thinking to myself, why they want it. Like I'm almost less sympathetic to them not going all the way with him when they've been trying over the last two or three years and they have been fighting tooth and nail not to break up the act. You know what I mean? It's like, that makes me less sympathetic to him because he just loves being in this new day act. I know he's not in it at the moment and they, he finally did split. They finally did do the split. But every time you hear this guy talk, it's like, he just, he had to get away from new day for any of this to happen. You're never getting that push throwing pancakes around. You're just not. And this is a guy who I think is convinced that he that that he could. And they had the they had to fight him to convince him to to break up from that from that act. And um, that concerns me. How does he not even just professional pride? How do you not think that you can be a breakout star? We all agree he can be, but um. Like, like you would think you'd be dying to eventually, okay, that act got me over to a certain level. Now I want to go on my own and become a big star. But he didn't want to do that. Right. Like, I, I feel like every do. wrestler should really want that, even if they can't, you know, you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, they can't, it's obviously not good, you know, to say it right away and to say, oh, yeah, no, I want to be a singles guy. I want to be that. But there's no, like, the New Day's been around for what a decade. I mean, we're getting pretty close to a decade like at this years, point. Like yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, do you want to say, hey, I can't wait to kind of see what I can do on my own, like in year one of the team? No, but like 
eight years later, you should probably be more happy to be away from those guys. And this is just all I'm saying is this is the second media interview I've heard from him where I really just like rolled my eyes. The first one is where he said, I don't agree that I have to become serious to become a star. I totally disagree. Yeah, I remember that he, one. Yeah, he right. even made he even specifically said, "I think I can continue rolling down the ramp and be and be just." And it's like, no, you cannot. No, you cannot. That that is the total antithesis of what people. Right. You, you can try that, but I'm going to tell you, it's probably not going to work as well as if you didn't roll down the ramp and throw pancakes. Right. So that interview annoyed me, and now this one I saw where it was revealed that he fought tooth and nail not to be split up from from New Day, and it's like, what is wrong with this guy? Like. He seems he's like a very intelligent man who gets it in every other way except for this thing where he just thinks throwing pancakes is the key to success. And maybe the, the alternate view on this is maybe he is smart enough to know that they're never going to go all the way with him and being in that act will keep him right. around. Man, he's, he's fine with his lot in life and just yes. says, keep me here. Let me keep doing this thing. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Because New Day, cause that's the other side of it. Maybe he's like, well, fuck it. They're, I know they're never pushing me like a real, true, legitimate superstar push. So this New Day thing, we can keep this over forever. So maybe that's kind of his train of thought because he is just as distrustful of them as we are. So... Maybe that is his angle. I would like to think and give him the benefit of the doubt and say that it is. Uh, and then we'll go to our main event here. Uh, Roman Reigns defeating Edge 33 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, he retains his universal title. Uh, this is the match that I alluded to a little bit earlier where I have seen some people say, what a masterpiece, match of the year contender. What a great performance. Joe, I thought this was boring as fuck. I hated this match. Hated it. Yeah, I can't say I hated it. Falling asleep. If I'm falling asleep during a match, I don't know. I think that it was extremely boring and a nothing happened in match. (laughs) I didn't hate it. It was just boring and nothing happened. Until (laughs) but Stephen A. Smith. Until the shenanigans started, because then at least at that point, while I thought it was an overbooked mess, I did think it was exciting. And they had the crowd on their feet. The, the whole building was into it. And they had people on the edge of their seat, no pun intended. And it was exciting, especially for a match where coming in, I gave Edge 0% chance of winning. It was still, and they still managed to make it exciting down the stretch and have some exciting near falls and things like that. So, no, look, did I like the match? No, I didn't. Do I think it was. A good match? No, I don't. I think it was a match that was about to be a total bomb. And then once it got into shenanigans, overbooked territory, they kind of saved it to some extent because it was exciting and fun from that point forward for like the last eight minutes or whatever it was. Does that make any sense? No, no, no. And and I would agree as well. It's just the problem is for me, it was just very difficult to get to those points. I I, I very quickly was like, all right, guys, I get it. Let's go home, and we're doing side headlocks and just generic, just lengthening a match, just to lengthen a match, and the crowd themselves are getting, and they had this crowd on the palm of there. I mean, they, they, you could have, listen, uh, Edge came out, and they they went nuts for him, Reigns came out, they booed him like crazy, and the crowd was way into it, they got him out of it, 
They got him out of it, and then they got him back into it. So it's like one of those classic, you know, this is what a worker would tell you is, hey, you know, you got to slow him down or get him back right. up again. And I can't argue with that because when it was over, the crowd was fucking molten for the final few minutes. Like you said, I just can't excuse, you know, 20 minutes of me looking at my phone and going, God damn, this thing's still going on. I can't believe it. You could have done this match in two-thirds of the time. I think that's fair to say. Right, this didn't have to be thirty-three yeah. minutes. Oh, we're we're starting to see the style now of of Edge right now, and that's it's. It, I get it. I understand this guy can't go in the in the in the fast-paced kind of boom, boom, boom main event style. So you're slowing things down. You're doing epics. You're doing that sort of stuff. I just don't think he's particularly good or interesting in that type of match. And I don't know if Reigns is really that good or interesting in that type of match either, especially if he's on offense. We've seen Reigns do great at selling for for a long amount of time. I don't know if Reigns' control periods for, for 15 minutes are good. I don't know if Edge selling for 15 minutes is very good. And I don't know if the flip side is, is, is all that good with these two guys either, to be honest. Well, Reigns' current, Reigns current gimmick and his current working style is not an exciting one. He's methodical, yeah. and so that doesn't lend itself to excitement. And Edge, kind of as you alluded to, he fancies himself as like this. He's just up his own ass. He just he wants to go out there and have these super long, incredible storytelling epics every time he gets out there. And they they almost always land flat. I mean, the WrestleMania match was a good little match, the three-way. Um, in fact, let me pull up. By the way, the match itself, I saw some people calling this a match of the year contender and this and that. Uh, the consensus doesn't quite agree. Grapple 3.38. That's probably fair. And uh, cage match as we... Uh, do this show live 7.20 so again like a 3.6 or something yeah okay and that's fine like i have no issue with that I, i'm probably a little yeah. bit lower but I, I i i wouldn't argue with you if you went three and a half or whatever or three you know that's fine i get that. but as we've discussed at the top of the show and what we wanted to talk about if you were a wwe hardcore they loved yes this fucking match uh i had put out a tweet the next day saying all right edge has been back for a little bit now let's grade his return I wasn't trying to poke any bears, wasn't trolling. It was just a straight up grade edges return. Right. It's it's a classic. I haven't been crazy about it for for people right? that like people that don't know what an experience is like with our account is what was it two weeks ago you posted a what was it a video of Otis right Yeah yeah and it was just it was just it was just a video of Otis Yeah nothing you didn't say anything No 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 it was it wasn't Otis it was a video of. Um, oh, Boogs, right? Yeah, Rick Boogs. It was Rick Boogs playing. It was okay. It was <laughs> right. Shinsuke Nakamura giving Baron Corbin a suplex on the floor and then air guitaring with Boogs. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. So, Presented with no comment, no comment whatsoever. And half the comments were, "You're right, Joe. This fucking sucks." And the other comments were, "You know, you fucking idiots. Like, you think this is good? Like, it was just like, why do you hate WWE? Like, why do you? It, it was just like." And the other half was, "Wow, that's such a cool spot." And the right. other half was. Oh, you you fucking hate everything. I presented it with no comment. <laughs> it was great. Like I the comments no were like, "All right, guys, we get it. You hate WWE, all right? Stop watching." It's like, yeah. <laughs> and there were no. I didn't put any words in the tweet. Didn't say anything. I actually thought it was amusing. Like I chuckled at the spot. He slides out of the ring and back suplexes <laughs> him, and then pops up into an air guitar. I'm like, this is kind of funny. I'm gonna clip this and put yeah. it on the Twitter account. But that's the point. Like people just make up their own. Right. So you putting a poll player. saying, "What do you think of Edge's return?" Elicited the following responses. So go ahead. Yeah, it's like people. Um, and and no, I. To be fair, I did my my 
I responded to my own tweet and gave my opinion. The first tweet was just, give me your opinion. Grade is returned. Then I gave my opinion, which was, eh, I don't think he's been so good. Right? But, yeah, just what I learned was the hardcore WWE fan has loved the edge return. Like, you can't – these people are convinced that I was just trying to troll. They can't even fathom any critique for what this man has done since he's returned. To them, it's been perfection. And it's 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 untenable that to even consider that this man hasn't been good. All the replies are there. People can go read them. But I'll ask you. He's had nine matches since he's come back. Two of them were Royal Rumbles. We'll throw those out. Last man standing versus Ed, versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania in the Performance Center. Awful match. I mean, just an egregiously, can we agree on that? Just a terrible, egregiously long, awful match that in most places got awful reviews. Yeah, the terrible. Exception. I think the only person who liked that match was Ryan Satin, is like the only person who liked that match. And that guy likes everything. So uh, I'm looking at Edge, Randy Orton, last man standing on cage match, 4.27, which is equivalent to like <laughs> 2.1 or something. Okay. Then they wrestled again at Backlash. This was Rich, the greatest match ever. Um, if people like this is 44 minutes, heavily produced. If people liked it, I get it. But we gave the reasons we didn't like it. To me, this is subverting the art. This wasn't a real match. This was no different than a uh, cinematic match to me. So I throw it out. Yeah, I, th- I think you and I even on that on that day, you know, said, "Hey, we're not going to really give ratings or give this review because yeah. how could you? It's like us reviewing, you know, <laughs> a mo- you know, I I don't really want it, it. Just yeah, like you said, it subverts the the art of 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 what wrestling is. So yeah, I don't know, I don't know how to rate something that I don't know what got. I don't know if this took eight hours to film. I don't know if this was in one shot. I don't know if this took in six days. Like I don't know who was all involved. Like yeah, it, it, yeah. So I, I I throw that one out too. I'm with you. Yeah, like music, bed yeah, music, I don't know. fucking fake sounds behind it. I couldn't get into it. Um, Monday Night Raw against Orton. Friday Night SmackDown against Jay Uso. I don't think you saw those. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did not um, see either of those. Yeah, I can't say I saw either of those. I could tell you they were just WWE TV matches. There was nothing special about them. WrestleMania three-way. I like that match. Who liked it more, me or you? I can't remember. Um, I think you liked it more than I did. Yeah, I think so too. If I remember correctly, I think you liked it more than um, I did. So you're actually going to be lower on his run than me, and I don't even think it's that great. SmackDown: Roman Reigns and the Usos versus uh, Dominic, quote unquote, Edge and Rey Mysterio. This was last Friday with the crowd back. Um, it was a good little TV match. Hot open, crowd was into it. Opened up the show. Um. You know, not notebook material or anything, but a really good TV match. And then the match that we just talked about. That's been his return. Hmm. So I ask you, Rich Krejci, Great Edge's return. Hmm. C minus, I would say. Yeah. And see, people would think that you were like trying to rile them up. By no, saying no, that. I just, yeah, I just don't. Like, and, the Rumble stuff has been great. The pop, I, I, I'll say this. When Edge comes out, it's a big deal. When Edge wins a Royal Rumble, it's a big deal. Pretty much everything else in between there, I, I, I have no real interest in. Yeah, it, it's. I don't like the promos. Don't like the matches. Don't like the character. What it taught me more than anything else is, once again, everyone should delete Twitter and throw their phones into the sea because you're just talking past each other. Like you think you're having the same conversation, but you're 
you're talking about the same subject and having two completely different conversations a lot of the time. Because I don't even think a lot of these hardcore WWE fans are wrong for enjoying Edge's return. They're viewing it through a completely different lens than you or I are. We're just different kind of fans looking for different things. They see a guy getting great reactions. And um, these people may not necessarily be into match quality in the same ways that we are. They just want their, uh, their cool entrances, the big personalities, the key spots, um, the WWE style storytelling, and they're happy. And from that perspective, I mean, I guess I could see where you'd be happy with Edge's return. It comes across as a big deal. They push him as a big deal, right? Whereas, you know, fans like me or you, or most of the people listening to us right now, or most of the people who follow us on Twitter or, or go to our website, we just view wrestling through a lens completely different than that pocket of fans does. And then when these two people come together and try to debate something, <laughs> yeah. you're talking right past each other. You know what I mean? You're having two different conversations and you think you're having the same conversation, but you're not. You know? And then, you know, they're getting nasty with me and they, and, and they think that, you know, I'm trying to push their buttons, but I'm not. You know, Edge's return for me has been very mediocre. I really like the WrestleMania match. That's about it. A couple nice little TV matches. And I get it if you like the greatest match ever thing. I understand if people like that. We talked about it at the time. It just wasn't for me. Now, look, he's gotten good pops, but also look at it from this. Okay, he got the big pop at the Royal Rumble when he was a surprise. Of course, he's going to get a huge pop there. He gets the huge pop on SmackDown. When the fans return, of course, that was designed to get everybody a huge pop. I don't know if you watched that show, but the way they brought everybody out one by one, they wanted the crowd to pop big. And, you know, he got the big pop. And then he gets the big pop on this pay-per-view, the first pay-per-view back with fans. So I'm not trying to take away from his pops either. But then again, he was kind of set up for huge pops. It'd kind of be a problem if he didn't get huge pops in all of these scenarios. We know that he hasn't moved ratings. We know that. To the point they had to add someone to his WrestleMania match. The numbers are there. We know he has not been a ratings draw. The company concedes he hasn't been a ratings draw. But he does get reactions in front of the fans. You can't take that away from him. But there's a lot of people who, are, who historically have been over with fans, but not over in the sense of drawing money. And that's why a lot of old-timers in wrestling will tell you, being over has nothing to do with crowd pops. Being over means do you draw money? That's the old school definition yep. of being mm -hmm. over. There's now, you know, now we use that term to describe anyone that gets a pop. Oh, he's over. And that's okay. Definitions of things shift and change. But the old school definition of being over had nothing to do with crowd pops. It was drawing money. And that was always the counter argument to woo 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 guy. Oh, he's getting these reactions in the crowd, but ah, he's not really drawing money, which we'll never know because they cut his legs off. But I don't know what Edge. He's over in the buildings, but we know he's not a ratings mover. We know that. That's a fact. And to me, the matches haven't really delivered. But again, there could be someone listening to this who thinks I'm deranged when I say these things because they look at pro wrestling and approach it from a different way. And that, what I thought was going to be a harmless tweet, asking people their opinions of his run so far really opened my eyes to that. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so let's talk about the big news of the uh, post-match here. So obviously Roman Reigns gets the win. Um, he's in the ring for a little bit longer. You're thinking, ah, oh, this is kind of strange. And then the familiar music hits, which, you know, if, if you were following, you knew that this was coming at some point pretty soon. Uh, but the noise of John Cena's theme music hits. He comes out. I think this, uh, you could pretty much tell that this was a monster pop of all monster pops. I think I tweeted out that uh, people think that when like seven people in the crowd make noise, that that's a pop these days. Uh, what happened with Cena here, that's a pop. When people are jumping up and down, when people in the crowd are literally jumping up and down and throwing babies in the air or whatever like they were doing for John Cena, that's what a pop is, and that's what happened here. He comes out, you can't see me to Roman Reigns, and uh, we uh, presumably have our match for uh, SummerSlam. Now, this is being over and being over. Yes. This. Yeah. Right. That's over. <laughs> that is what being a star and being over is. Yeah, but... um. But yeah, so uh, Cena's back, and he will face Roman Reigns, and Reigns will presumably beat him too, and then they'll set up whatever they're going to set up with either The Rock or Brock Lesnar, but probably The Rock. I really think The Rock wants to be there for Dallas and break all kinds of records or whatever. So um, yeah, and you combine that with, uh, with the Goldberg thing with Lashley, and it really, it's just, you know, how many times can we have the same conversations about they don't build anybody up and it's star from the past to the rescue. And it's just an endless cycle. Um, is it exciting? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, is it, you know, is it healthy? <laughs> is it a healthy way to run your, to book your company? And, and, and no, I would say no, <laughs> it is not. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I don't know. I feel like we've had these conversations a million times. This and is what never they are changed. now. This is what they are now. Yeah. Like there's no point. I, Cause I see a lot of people going like, this is, they can't keep doing this. And it's like, they're going to keep trying to do it. And, and we mentioned it with edge a year uh, or two ago. And I, I, I mentioned on that show when they were talking about when edge was coming back and all this sort of stuff, I was saying, we're now we're going back to people that weren't even that big of a deal when they were around and they're coming right. back as big time stars or whatever. Now this was, you know, John Cena, who, who is a big time star, but he's here for a month. He's literally leaving the next day to go film something, you know, in Europe or whatever for another movie. So he's here and it, for a yeah, while. And then, and then it makes it that much harder for people to take your biggies seriously. Yeah, right, right. Because and, you keep telling them that these are the real stuff. Right. And then you got Goldberg, who, who they've dusted off many, many times. And that's eventually going to run out as well. And then when he runs out, I, you got Edge, as we said. And eventually, in a few years, Orton's going to be one of those guys that he's going to go away. Yeah. And then they'll bring Orton back. And they'll be like, hey, it's Randy Orton. And it's like, okay, he's a guy who was around forever and didn't matter when he was around. You know, like, that, it'll be those kind of guys. And then those kind of guys will have their little runs for a while. And, yeah, it's just this is what they do now. They don't know how to organically create new stars. And they come back. And the old guys come back. And they're, the, they're actually stars. And people go nuts for him, and then it makes all your other guys look like, you know, I think Brian and Dave, I think, said it on the uh, Wrestling Observer, worker bees. The rest of the guys are just worker bees yeah, doing all the work until the king or the queen are ready to come back, and then, they, you know, they come back, and, you know, they get well, all the, they, well, they do all the big, they do the WrestleManias, the Royal Rumbles, and the SummerSlams, and they go away, and then, hey, Extreme Rules, that's your guys. <laughs> Have fun, you know? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value 
a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slap packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good, and Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Well, let's talk about a lot of the things that went down on this Raw. So Keith Lee, he hasn't been around for seven, eight months. And, you know, the initial main roster push didn't exactly go well. I wouldn't say that it went well. Um, but he's been gone forever and this is like a reset and, and people don't remember anything anyway. They're The fans that follow this company generally don't remember anything anyway. They're taught not to remember things. So this is a chance to press the reset button and maybe build them up a little bit. And what do they do? They bring them out as a surprise and they feed them to Lashley immediately. And in a span of 12 minutes, we have burned through his return, his first match, and his first devastating loss. And you're immediately telling the fans he's the same guy he was when he left, just a guy in the middle of the card who is not to be taken seriously. And Rich, I don't know where you stand on this. It's not so much that I think they're, you know, they're burying Keith Lee or killing Keith Lee. I'm okay if you don't think Keith Lee can be a top guy. Like, I have no problem with that. I'm not convinced he can be a top guy. What I don't understand, okay, is they could have fed anyone to Mm -hmm. Lashley in that spot. They have 200 wrestlers under contract. They could have fed anyone to Lashley because the objective of that match was for Lashley to have a dominating win and to say that no one can beat me. I've gone through everyone. 
who's next, and set up Goldberg coming out to that line. Why use the guy who's been gone for eight months, who you have a chance to reset in that spot? Why not put any old fucking prelim wrestler in that spot, pick a name, okay? And then debut Keith Lee as a surprise somewhere else on your three-hour and 15-minute show and have him win eight or nine matches in a row so that after Lashley's done with Goldberg, you have an opponent set up for, Keith, for, for Bobby Lashley, a guy who's been heated up and has a bunch of wins and has some momentum, and hopefully the fans are getting behind him, which, believe me, if you just win matches, that's probably going to happen. And now you have yourself a potentially hot match for the next pay-per-view or your next uh, time you want to pop a rating on Raw. You've got Keith Lee beating everybody left and right, and he could be the guy to step up to Bobby Lashley, and then you can have Lashley beat him. I don't care that Lashley beat him. Right, right, right. If you think Bobby, if you want to go with Bobby Lashley instead of Keith Lee, I don't give a shit. I I might even agree. In fact, I do agree. Yeah, I say I would agree. Why in this way? Yeah, it's it's you know, both, and, and it's combined with Cross too. We're talking about Lee right now. We'll get we'll get to Cross in a bit, but I think both of these ones are just absolutely inexcusable. In you cannot you cannot defend it. it indefensible ways indefensible. to use guys because you don't have. If you think Keith Lee fucking stinks, then he doesn't have to be on this show. You don't have to use him. You yeah, know what, what I mean? Happened, what happened with maximizing? Your assets. Right, right. Even if you don't think he could be a top guy, why not maximize the assets? Well, because there's a few scenarios like you played out. So you think Keith Lee fucking stinks and is garbage. Okay, but then just don't use him. Keep him on ice like you had him on ice and then just fire him. Okay. Or, or, or cut him. Yeah, yeah, just get rid of him. Okay, so that, that's the one. I think he sucks and I have no use for him. We're just going to cut him. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to redebut him and get something out of him. Okay. Okay, great. <laughs> but like, okay, then why? <laughs> Why you know we're redebuting him and he's gonna lose to Lashley? What what good does that do him? That does him no good. It does Lashley no good. It's not even a good win for Lashley because it's a dork that, that you know to, to fans he's a dork that hasn't been around in a while and now he's still a dork and Lashley. It, it doesn't even help Lashley. It's a, it's a zero no. sum. It helped nobody. Which is why it could have been anyone in the spot, right. not this guy. It, yeah, right. Yeah. So there's that. Or or like you said, yeah. If if you truly think okay. We think there's we can do something with this guy. We don't think he's like a long term guy, but we can do something with this guy. Then the absolute scenario is like you said, and this is how every wrestling company with any brain over the last fifty to seventy, however many years, <laughs> would say debut this guy wins a bunch of matches, feed him to Lashley. What that tells you is a Keith Lee gets a little bit of momentum. Okay, he won a bunch of matches. He's better than these five ten guys or whatever, but he's not as good as the WWE champion. That's fine. Totally understandable. And then it also helps Bobby Lashley to go, okay, hey, this guy who's out there beating a bunch of dudes, eh, he can't beat Bobby Lashley, but hey, that proves that you know Bobby Lashley is just that much better than everybody else on this roster. That works. That works for all scenarios. And it's just, yeah, what they did here is just indefensible, inexcusable. It's bullshit. It's just they do shit to do shit. And it's it's yep. it just makes no sense. And and it just ah, it, it You know what they'll do? And you know what you know what they'll do? Like in two months after Lashley's done with Goldberg. They'll, you know, they'll they'll try to push Keith Lee again as a challenger, and no one will take him seriously, and they'll blame Keith Lee. That's how it's been in this company for 15 years. Right? They'll blame Keith Lee when he doesn't get over as a challenger, or fans aren't responding to him. When you're the reason that the fans don't believe in him, because 
you treated you didn't book him well to begin with, and then when you brought him back, you told everybody he was a dork again. Right, and and this so, is like a weird thing too, where people think that there's like osmosis by you know where being in the ring, and we had that with Cedric Alexander and AJ Styles famously, where you know yes. you got the Ryan Satins of the world going, no, this is gonna make Cedric Alexander get over. <laughs> it's like no, yeah. you don't just still waiting. He's still waiting on that. Like you don't just get remember, over. Remember he was a, the janitor with the mask on. Yeah, remember yeah. Cedric. Yeah, yeah. They took the mask off, and he's like, ha, I'm Cedric Alexander. And it's like okay, right, cool. Yeah, you just lost. <laughs> right. Ha-ha, I, I put one out for you. <laughs> you beat me, Cedric Alexander, not the janitor. It's like, okay. Right. <laughs> cool. But like, well, now maybe you should be a janitor. Right. You can't right. Win. Right. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, that, that, you know, there, people think, and that might be what I don't know internally. I have no idea what internally they think anymore about these sort of things. But internally, do they think, oh, hey, Keith Lee, you know, losing the lash, that's going to really get him over eventually when we want to tell. I mean, the, the, the the build them up to, you know, or break them down to build them up thing, like that doesn't work. And it never it's so counterproductive. Yeah. It never it just works. It doesn't work it's ever. So, so just, I don't know, try the Bobby Lashley thing where you win a bunch of matches. You know, I, I just try that maybe for one guy. I don't know. But whatever happened to just pushing somebody? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. Uh, they got it with Lashley. That's the thing. That's the thing. If they didn't do it with anybody, it would be easy to say. But for a year, they did it perfectly with Drew McIntyre. And for a year and a half now, they've done it perfect with Bobby Lashley. They get it. They understand it. But they just, they, I don't know. I don't know. And I really don't want to go down this road because the people listening know for the most part. But this is why it's such a crock of shit when people say that we just automatically shit on everything they do. It's not our fault that almost everything they, <laughs> they do, do is garbage. Shit. Yeah, right. We just, we, the Lashley thing, we're behind it. We've been, we praised it before. We're praising it now. We've praised it all the way through. But it's so rare that they ever get anything right. That's not on us as reviewers. That's not on us as critics. That's on them because that's what they're giving us to critique. It sucks. That's on them, not me. Don't blame me because I think it's shit. It's shit because it's shit. Um, but yeah, it's totally indefensible, as is the cross thing, yeah. which is even more mind-boggling. The, the cross thing. The cross. Oh, my God. And I don't even like cross. I, don't, I hate. I think cross is a dork. I think the character is a dork. Have, how many yeah. times have we come on here and said, this is not for us, but it's over? How many times have we yeah. come on here and said that? And it's like, you take away Scarlet. Okay, I thought it was corny. I thought she was cringe. Obviously, Vince McMahon agreed. And they take Scarlet, but you take Scarlet away from him. And it's like taking Zelina Vega away from Andrade. It's like you're, you're working against yourself here. Because that shit got over, at least with your core audience. At least with the NXT audience. Right? Nothing else about this guy is what got him over. It's not his fucking work. It's not his charisma. It's none of those things. It was that fucking stupid entrance. So you put him behind the eight ball immediately when you take that away from him. Then he debuts, and you have him lose to a guy who's basically a jabron at this point. It was in 2008. (laughs) Someone pointed this out. He lost to Veer on main event (laughs) six days earlier. Okay, this isn't vintage Jeff well, Hardy. We're the, talking the part here. that you're the part that you're leaving out, which is arguably to me the most important part, is that Cross is undefeated at NXT. Eighteen months. Yes. We had Jared J who, who just pointed out eighteen months. I'm glad he get, he put the eighteen months. I was just gonna say undefeated at NXT. Eighteen months undefeated, beat everybody. Literally, they had a four way match, and he stacked every other main eventer in NXT up and pinned them all at the same time. Yeah, type thing. Just destroyed. Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole. Oh, it was six Ryan. guys. It was six guys, right? Pete Dunn, right? And Pete Dunn. Yeah, yeah five. Five, five guys. Five guys. Yeah. yeah. 
four other main eventers. <laughs> he stacked them up. He, and, he beat them all. Yeah, the match and the match structure was they all tried, but they couldn't. They couldn't even. They, when he got out of the ring, they could actually have a competitive match. When he got in the ring, he beat everyone's ass. He's that much ahead of all those guys. Yes. Correct. That was the match structure. Right. When he was in there, he just threw guys around. Right. So he's undefeated for 18 months. He's way above all these other dudes. He's an undefeated champion. He goes and he loses to Jeff Hardy. <laughs> On a schoolboy. On a schoolboy. Yeah. After well, you take out Scarlet and take out the fu- all the fun entrance stuff, he's just a bald dude who's not even that big. You know what I mean? Like, he's big, but he's not that big. He's not main roster big. Right. And he comes out without Scarlet. Loses. I mean, just I mean, just indefensible. There's no way anybody on this earth, except for Peter fucking Rosenberg, could defend this thing. Just absolutely any any form of storytelling, book, TV show, movie, pro wrestling, anything indefensible, indefensible. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's because what? How does this? How does this help him? Right, tell me how this. Tell me the path forward I mean, after this. Well, the path. Well, here's what people will say. They'll say, well. This gives him a story right out of the gate, and he'll and he'll and he'll win the feud with Jeff Hardy. And you know what? That might all happen, but that again, it's counterproductive. This doesn't help him. What will help him is having that match with Jeff Hardy and beating Jeff Hardy in like twenty-seven seconds. That helps him. It, getting in a feud with a guy who just lost to Veer on main event doesn't help you, even if you win the feud. Never mind that they already stripped you of all of the things that got you over to begin with. So, again, this is intentional. This is what you just said. Tear them down to prove I can build them back up. It doesn't make sense. It's flat out stupid. It would be if AEW, every time they brought a new guy in, they fucking um, used him as a jobber for four months just so Tony Khan can prove that he could build the guy back up and turn him into a Right, right. And and worse yet, though. What I think they oh, would do, and, and this is where I think the cross thing is even more egregious, is on Dark, you have Wrestler X, whoever Wrestler X is. Yeah. Wrestler X joins the company. He wins 20 straight matches on Dark. Yeah. You know, they, they build him up as, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. This guy's awesome. He comes to, the main, he comes to AEW Dynamite, and they, they change his entrance music, change his look, change his gear, and he just loses immediately to, you know, Ty Dillinger or whatever. It's just like, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's just the cohesion in this. Co- I mean, this is, and I saw people, I, I think Sean Ross Sapp even said this, like Ty Dillinger. Funny. I'm just, oh, right. <laughs> Sean Spears. Right Ty I'm like Ty Dillinger. Anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Sean Spears. That's and, kind of the point. Though. Yeah. Like right, you're, right, right. And you just be, get beat by some fucking, yeah. By some bottom. Which, which Jeff Hardy yeah. is these days. Don't, don't get it right, twisted. Exactly. This is this Jeff is Hardy. 2008. Right. right. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's just, and, and I think I, again, again I, 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 I'm paraphrasing here, but I think Sean Ross Sapp said this or somebody else said this, like, think of like what internally has to be going on there in that company. Yeah. Like there is no way to not see this as some struggle between WWE and NXT, some struggle between Vince and Triple H, some struggle between, it's gotta be right. Like there's gotta be something going on. It has to be. There's no way that you can buy that they're in cohesion and Triple H, you know, he, Vince says, oh, who you, who you got for me? And he goes, oh, we got Karrion Cross and yada, yada, yada. And Vince goes, all right, we're going to have him losing, you know, 90 seconds. Triple H goes, yeah, yeah, perfect. Sounds great, man. Well, exactly- he went, well, Vince went down there to visit yeah. and scout. Right. So he picked people out. What about the theory? I've seen this theory that Vince is annoyed that Tony Khan kicked Triple H's ass. Yeah. And the lesson here is, well, you 
these guys are obviously jabrones that can't beat the fucking brand new company. So I'm going to treat them like the jabrones they are and send the message. <laughs> I mean, that seems kind of productive, but I'm not well, a billionaire. Course, I'm not a billionaire. So much of Vince's career has been right, counterproductive. Right. I mean, we've seen him do this. How many times, you know, over the years and you go back a couple decades where he'd bring a guy in and just give him a bad gimmick on perp dusty roads. Yeah. Famous. Give dusty roads a bad gimmick on purpose and make him overcome it, which he did because <laughs> he's dusty roads. Yeah. Cause he's dusty roads <laughs> right. instead of just making money with dusty roads. <laughs> right. It doesn't make sense. Um, you know, give Terry Taylor the world's worst gimmick <laughs> and make him overcome it, which he didn't. You know what I mean? It's like, and and so many other examples. It's just spiteful and vindictive, and they tried everything to ensure that Dusty Rhodes wouldn't get over, from the polka dots to the to the dancing, to giving him sapphire. The whole idea behind sapphire, and I don't know if people know this, the idea behind sapphire was that she was an old, middle-aged, unattractive, overweight woman. And you were supposed to think that Dusty was fucking her, and you were supposed to laugh at that. Again, counterproductive. Right. Matthew Allen brings up Rocco with the uh, Legion of Doom, another classic. You know, well, that I just think they think was a good idea. <laughs> Do you? Crazy. No. Yeah. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. How could they think that was a good idea? But they did everything to Dusty, and he still overcame right. it. He was still the biggest star for the two years that he was there. One of the biggest stars in the company for the two years. Yeah, yeah. There. I mean, yeah, he didn't get all the way to the top, but he got over. He managed to get over anyway. Even with the embarrassing valet, the embarrassing ring gear, the embarrassing presentation, all of those things. But these are examples over the years. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, the invasion is, is obviously the biggest example of money left on the table where they burn through two years worth of storylines in an hour. And, you know, because Kevin Dunn, who I think gets a lot of flack he doesn't deserve, Kevin Dunn has sort of become the lightning rod of every complaint. But this one is on him because it was Kevin Dunn who convinced Vince, you can't let them ever beat our guys. So we have to – so the decision was made. Instead of having a back-and-forth feud, which would have made a lot of money, the decision was made to put Stone Cold Steve Austin with them. And right, put, yeah. Let, let's have, let our guys go on their side because it's more believable that, that, that our guys – Yes. Yeah, that our be guys. the real stars of their side. Right. Steph and Shane and Stone Cold will be the stars and they'll just be – the, the the pin eaters, the background players, because we can't let them ever beat up. But they aren't them anymore. They're you. You bought them. You own them. Like that. That is you. Like it, it, it's counter. Again, it's the same kind of counterproductive attitude, and it doesn't make sense. But in in some cases, I think that Vince just doesn't care, and he gets off on fucking with people. Which could be what's happening now. He could be fucking with Triple H. Yeah, there, and there's there's a lot of evidence too. Because I mean, the, the Shotzi uh, Tegan Knox thing is another great example of that. Tegan Knox just redebuts. They spend how long were they doing the stupid battery thing for Tegan Knox? Like four weeks, maybe five weeks. I forget how long it was. I mean, she was, and then the battery goes to zero or goes to hundred or whatever. And there's Tegan Knox. She comes out, yeah. she debuts, and now like four days later, she's on SmackDown. Teaming with Shotzi right. Blackheart, who she's never interacted with on any level whatsoever. It's, right. it's just, it, 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 it reeks of, like you said, Vince got down there and said, all right, these people I like, bring them up. And then immediately just, you know, well, I don't care. I don't give a shit what they did there. I don't care. 
they're my they're my babies now they're my things now and i'm just gonna do whatever i want with them no synergy no synergy. yeah and it's just no it, they're the you don't get the sense they're working together no. um it's, it's not it's a lot it it's, there's there's smoke it, to that fire man I, I i can't i can't honestly believe that everybody in that room is saying ah good 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 exactly you know this is how it should work vince should be watching that show every week with a fucking notebook in his hand and then reporting back to triple h I like so and so. Heat him up. Get him ready. Right. Here's Do the story I have in mind for X. And then yes. Triple H should say, okay, cool. Get the NXT guys together and go, okay, Vince wants X to start doing this. And then you start doing it. You, you know, right. that's the way it should go. Yeah. And then, and we have to have them ready by X date because they're coming up on this date. So we have seven weeks to turn so and so because Vince likes him as a heel. Heat him up as a heel. Get him over. Um, figure out a way to write them out without embarrassing them because they're getting pushed when they get caught. All of those things. That should be the plan every time. If Vince doesn't want to do it himself, he should have people doing that for him. People he trusts, whether it's Pritchard or Michael Hayes, whoever. But there's no synergy at all. And, it, and, and you really get the sense with these weird decisions that they he's almost – they're working against each other. It's so fucking weird. Right. Before Why? there, the, before there seemed now. to be like ignorance towards it. Like they didn't, like there were times where they worked a little bit together. There were times where there was a little bit of like kind of ignorance from one side, but now it feels like actively like against, like they're totally pulling in different directions now. And it seems almost too blatant that it's, I don't know. It is. And on the other side of the coin, he should be watching the show every week and saying, you know what? When it, with this person, I can't ever see calling him up. Maybe we should start writing them out and part ways. And then you wouldn't have people in NXT for nine years working 42 takeovers. It should, you know, it should work both ways. The purpose of NXT should be the AAA that it was designed to be, but it's not. It ceased being that a long time ago, and now it's just, you know, and it fucks with NXT too. When you just decide on a whim, okay, we're calling up Shotzi and Knox and putting them together. Well, it goes against what. The people who watch NXT saw along because, like you said, they were never paired together. Shotzi's partner was Ember Moon, and it whatever plans you had for them immediately get fucking lit up and fucking set on fire because Vince decides on a whim that he wants. None of this should work. Like no, this. it's so weird. Yeah, it's akin to like yeah, a Triple A team's got a pitcher, and then you know they just say, "Ah, we want him in center field." It's like what? <laughs> There's no plan. We've been spending the five years developing as a pitcher, and then like the major league team says, "Now nah, we want him as a, uh, a center fielder." It's like, well, yeah. Why'd it's you, like, tell well, why you tell us <laughs> that? Yeah, we made him a center made, yeah. Yeah. We've been it's, pitching it's, for five years. Ah, yeah, no, we want him in center field though. It's like, well, <laughs> like, yeah. Totally. We could tell us that. We could do that. And that and that's how it should work. It should work where, yeah, like you said, there should be some inner. And it seems like it, there's just a wall. Or like you said, it's actively derogatory. You know, it's actively working against. I don't know what it is. It's very strange right now, though. It what is, are the odds that when Vince went down there, he saw all of those people for the first time in his life? Uh, very high. Very, very high. Pretty high, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a strong possibility. Particularly since we're, we were in the pandemic, because allegedly he used to go to the takeovers because he was in town anyway. For right, the right, right, right. The ones that were linked to the pay-per-views, he'd be there or whatever. I think there's a good chance he never saw Cross, who never worked in front of a fan. I don't think he ever saw Cross until he went down there. Yeah, oh, no, there's for a sure. Because I think he knew the guys like three, four, five years ago, like you're saying. Like I, I said, the synergy wasn't there in terms of like 
the stories are, are, are quite same in the characters, but like the guys themselves weren't, you know, totally off base when they would, they would come through. And yeah, that's probably from Vince watching take over Dallas or whatever and, and, and slapping triple H on the back and going, Oh, you built yourself a brand here, kid or whatever, you know, whatever that the famous quote that I think it was, yeah. it was take over Dallas, right. That he said that, or uh, I think one so, of those yeah. takeovers. Yeah. Where he slapped him on the back and said, you've created yourself a brand here, you know? And, and like, you know, those all buy those. Yeah. He knew who, he knew who Kevin Owens was. He knew who Sami Zayn was. He knew who Neville was. You know, he, he had any clue Keegan Knox was when no, he went down there. Zero clue. Zero clue. No clue. No. He saw her taking bumps in the fucking headgear ring, and he said, "Oh, I like her." I mean, that's probably how it went. You know, it, it's just it's it's just so broken. Um, and then to humiliate them in the booking is sending is prob is it's probably because that's been Vince's mo his whole life. So why wouldn't you think he was sending a message with this kind of right. thing? There's no reason to think that – I mean that's plausible whether he, whether he was or not. Um, and it, it shows that there's no respect for this third brand that you have because you're beating the champion in that manner. He came out with the belt. Why would you treat one of your own champions that way? These are all rhetorical questions that cannot be answered. I, I, it's baffling. This Raw was atrocious. So bad. And they knew they were going to have eyeballs on it. And they did 1.9 million, 1.923 million viewers. Yeah, against a clinching game of the NBA Finals, too. Good number. Credit Brandon Thurston. He nailed it. His model correctly predicted the number. Like, to the number, he predicted 1.9. I thought it would do two because I thought, you know, with Cena and all that, I thought it would do a little better. You know, I put up a little poll on our Twitter. Most people thought I was going to do over two, which I thought was crazy because that would have been SmackDown. It's not going to do SmackDown numbers. So you could see that people thought that Money in the Bank was a hot show because a lot of, of our followers and listeners thought that it was going to do well over 2 million viewers. So you get all these extra viewers, and then you give them that fucking shit show that you gave them this week. It was, it was bad. All the excitement of debuting people like Cross and bringing back Keith Lee, and then you flush it all down the toilet. Why would anybody who watched, who doesn't normally watch, be excited to watch next week now? Yeah. You know Cena is not going to be back. And the two big surprises, two of the, well, Goldberg was the other one, but the other two big surprises lost and got treated like, what, what bringing me back again if I, had, if I wasn't a regular viewer who happened to watch because I liked Money in the Bank, which there was a lot of those people because they were up 23% or whatever it was. You just pissed them away. Rich, this was a night to have a crowd-pleasing show where all of the fucking good guys win. And it's a hot crowd, and it feels like a hot show, and honestly, it feels like a dynamite. This was the night to have it feel like a dynamite. And that'll piss people off, but I don't care. And they didn't do that. It doesn't make sense. They've completely lost the plot. Again, we're broken records. All right, let's uh, move on. So that's uh, that's WWE. That's uh, Slammiversary, all that. Or uh, let, let's get to Slammiversary, Impact Wrestling's uh, Slammiversary. What happened? Did we fucking time hop here? We, did we do fucking do Slammiversary already? No, 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 no. I thought we did, but we, we didn't. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, no, we- uh, Rich, did you watch the pre-show? I did not. Uh, tell me about uh, Decay versus Faya and Flava. Couldn't- I did not watch oh, okay. the pre-show. Couldn't pay me to watch that, man. So anyway. No, I did not watch that show. Um, I did not. All right, Impact X Division title match, Ultimate X match. Uh, Josh Alexander defeats Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Petey Williams, Rohit Raju, and Trey Miguel. Um, okay, here's where I'm at with Ultimate X matches, and I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. 
I always like watching them, but I also don't know what they are, and I don't, they don't, does this make any sense? Like, I almost don't know that I'm watching a wrestling match when I see an Ultimate X match. And this is what this match was, too. It was like, there was a lot of really cool shit in it, but it's just, I don't know, it kind of feels more like a stunt show than an actual match. I, I don't know. What, what, what do you think about this match? No, you're not wrong. That's what it is. It's their version of the WWE ladder match. Um, they don't do it as often, but they do do these multi-man X Division matches a lot, but they don't do the ultimate X a ton. But um, I enjoyed it for what it was. I always do. I mean, I, I almost expect them to be what you're describing. So um, it didn't blow me away. I'm not, it's not a match I'm going to rave about, but um, you know, you're not wrong. Yeah, they're just, and this has been throughout the entire history. It's not just these guys or this time period or whatever. Throughout the entire history of Impact and TNA, I've always liked watching Ultimate X matches, but they don't, I don't know. They're just weird with me. They're, they're, they just don't feel, I just don't have that same feel that I have for like a good wrestling match with these matches. Yeah, like, well, listen, you hate the Ultimate X. It's I hate, okay. Yeah, there you go. There it is. I guess. If you hate the Ultimate X, you hate the Ultimate X. <laughs> Josh Alexander uh, retains, though, which I think is the right call. Uh, and he, yeah. he's a guy that they definitely, in the next six months, I'm circling his name as a guy that I'm definitely moving up. You know, moving up the rankings and, and, and trying to do something with if I can, because uh, I think there's there's definitely some money uh, in Josh Alexander. But well, there he's getting uh, like reportedly he is getting a push. Yeah, so he might be the guy to beat Omega. Yeah, I don't Omega hate it. I don't hate man. it. Um, once once Omega loses the AEW title, you can have him lose in Impact. So if he's the guy, I think he at this point they might be heating him up, and the timing will work right, and that might be the play. Um. <laughs> For the uh, second time in, in two weeks, we had the big reveal. Joe, it's Chelsea Green and Impact. I know you're so pumped up, so I'll let you have the floor here. Yeah, I really don't know why. I, <laughs> why should we care about why do any? Green? Why did all of these promotions think I'm supposed to give a shit about Chelsea Matt, Green? Matt Stryker's why? like, whoa, it's the hot mess Chelsea Green. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Last week with ROH, too. Like, yeah. Why is she treated like she's some big deal? I, she's not. Who yeah. cares about Chelsea Green? I don't I, know. Rich, if Chelsea Green had she gets cut by WWE, right? If she had just quietly moved on with her life and was waiting tables at fucking Hooters or something, I wouldn't have noticed. Right. Like you, three years from now, you would never think about Chelsea Green ever again. I would real. never think about her again. If you told me three years from now on the show reminded me that she existed, I'd go, "Oh yeah, I remember Chelsea Green." Whatever happened to her? I would never think about Chelsea. I haven't thought about Chelsea Green since she had her dust up with the salsa boy on Twitter. And I never would have thought of her again if she had just disappeared from there forever. Why do these promotions think that this is a big deal in any way, shape, or if they treat her like this is some enormous fucking acquisition in two different companies in back-to-back weeks? Who could possibly care about Chelsea Green? I also love too the uh, the uh, Scott Demore says Slamversary is going to be a hot mess. And then Matt Cardona goes ah ah, ah. and yet still like they they start this yeah. match and Dilo Brown and Matt Shark are like I don't know who it could be. I mean the speculation is running rapid of who this could be. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. They're like, well, Matt Cardona. The current feud is Matt Cardona with his ex girlfriend. Ah oh, man, I I have no idea who this partner could possibly be. And then oh my god, it's his current girlfriend. <laughs> it's Chelsea Green. I think they wanted you to think that it wouldn't be her because they wanted but you to cares? think it's her. That's a lot of thought. That's again <laughs> yeah. way more. 
thought that I put it in Chelsea Green. Who gives a shit? Right. Just say, yeah. hey, Chelsea Green's coming on that Slammiversary, and then she can just come. And it's like, all right, cool, whatever. It would have been the same thing, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's, yeah, but, a, ba- a bad surprise is worse than just announcing it. Right, Like, right, just right. tell me it's going to be Chelsea Green. And the, the best part, they put it on the screen, too. It's like, oh, who's it going to be? And it's like, dun, dun, dun. Then it's like, hot mess. And, people, and the crowd goes like, yeah. you know what I mean? There's like yeah. seven people, except for Matt Stryker, who's like, "Oh my god, it's the hot mess." I'll say this: at least she has history in this company. Yeah, why right, would a right, Ring right. of Honor? Why would a Ring of Honor fan give a no, fuck about care. Chelsea Green? Yeah, could not possibly care. Yeah, none. No fucks given. What's next? W. Morrissey and Eddie Edwards. Uh, Morrissey's been good. He's been I, solid as hell. I I, I wanted to he, talk shit, but he went out there. He cuts a, he cuts good promos. Uh, he looks large. I don't know. Um, I feel like allegedly, I, I I should say that I think this man might be uh, might have called that number for uh, Frank Thomas's <laughs> workout pills. But uh, he's a yeah, he's a so. large man right now. And uh, hey, you know what? I'm an effort guy, and he's putting some effort in there. So good for him. But uh, yeah, yeah. But he's gotten good promos. He's he's got a good tan. He's got a good body, and he's out there having okay matches. So I, you know, I can't complain. He's been solid. If this were an if this were an 80s observer, it would say that he's jacked to the gills. <laughs> right, it would, right. It would say that he's on the gas. It would say that you know. Um, yeah, w nah, Morrissey I mean, parentheses whatever his real name is. Yeah, Colin Cassidy. Or w Morrissey parentheses William Morrissey. <laughs> right. 31 jacked to the gills these days um that's that would be the observer in 1987 um why isn't he just william morrissey i don't know i don't know (laughs) what is it w dot morrissey w dot morrissey no every match he's been in he's been he's been he's been good like what they've asked of him his promos are good he looks good he looks like he's uh dedicated he's working to his size He's not out there having a match of the years, but um, man, he looks so much better than he ever looked ever yeah. in WWE. And can we, uh, you know, he's the top indie draw in the country too. Do you see those two indie shows? One of them drew 1,700 fans. <laughs> Excuse me? And the other drew 700 fans, both with W. Morrissey on top. How about wow. that? Enzo too. Give Enzo credit. What, what are the companies? But- New, of course. Okay. Oh, yeah. They always draw. Yeah. Nobody gives and them I any. Don't know it. Nobody ever talks about them. Nobody's ever been to a show, no. but somehow they draw 2,000 fans to every show they do. Yeah. They announced Jerry Lawler versus Enzo today, yeah. and I saw people mocking it, and I'm like, that's going to be the biggest oh, yeah, yeah. crowd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the biggest crowd of, of, of any independent show in 2021 so far this year. You can sure. mock Enzo all you want. Like, one of these companies has to have the guts to bring him back because he's he's popular. People are into Enzo. Um, but yeah, yeah, Morrissey, he's he's headlining these indie shows that are, you know, meanwhile, you got, well, I don't want to pick on any indie wrestlers, but you have these other indies, you know, uh, <laughs> drawing 200 fans all spaced fucking six feet from each other. And, and, and this guy's out there drawing 1,700 fans and 700 fans. Um, yeah, so w, w. Morrissey, big win over Eddie Edwards. They're pushing him too. I'm seeing this. I, man, I, got, I wish I could go to this thing. NEW WrestleFest 25 at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saturday, August 14th, Jerry Lawler versus fill that Enzo. Too. They are they definitely going to fill that. Sammy Guevara's on that show. Paul White's on that show. Yeah. Tay Conti's on that show. They're going to fill that motherfucker. Is that the one Cody's doing an appearance? Or not? I would. I don't I don't see that, but I'm not. Um... Cody's doing an appearance for them, too. On Maybe not that show, but one of the ones coming up. Okay. He's yeah. not wrestling. He's doing an appearance. All right. 
NEW, man. They're crazy. <laughs> I love them. So, uh, yeah. move on here. Finn Juice, David Finley, and Juice Robinson. They defeat Madman Fulton and Shira uh, in a minute 15, which is uh, probably about as long as I needed this match to be. So, well, this was another surprise. Finn Juice weren't announced. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, that was surprise number two. Yeah. Impact spent a lot. Of, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. Fun show. I mean, in terms of, of, of surprises, big moments, you know, Chelsea Green was oh, like the least the impactful surprise of the entire show. So, yeah, I don't care about Chelsea Green, but top to bottom, this is a pretty good show. Yeah. It was a fun show. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, Chris Saban versus Moose, an awesome, like, only in Impact Wrestling with, you know, this match. But uh, I thought it was solid. What do you think about Saban defeating Moose, though? Well, I mean, they, you know, Moose got Omega and lost. So this is just a decision. I guess they, they're going to push Saban now. I guess Moose got his push. It doesn't mean that, that, that they're not going to ever push Moose again, but I guess Moose's uh, push for now is over, and they're going to they're gonna go with Saban because beating Moose means something. Right, here. right, right. So maybe they're just decided they want to give Saban a little fucking push a I don't know. I mean, I don't have a major problem with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate it if that's the if that's the goal. Like, I, as long as and and I I have faith that Impact. I mean, Impact has been for all the the faults that Impact might have, they have definitely been A to B to C booking as of late. Like, yeah, they have. Like yeah. in, in in another era of this company, this would be like Moose. Then the next week would go out and beat Kenny. You know what I mean? Like he'd beat Kenny Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd make no sense whatsoever. But yeah, you you can buy that. Hey, they, Moose, it's just not his time right now. He's going to move down the card, and maybe Chris Saban's going to move up the card, which I don't hate. I don't hate Chris Saban going for. You know, maybe he's going to go at Kenny Omega. You know, it's, they, they're going to need more title defenses. They're running out of guys, and and yeah, why not a a guy, a, a, a not a not a TNA original original, but but a guy that you know has a long history in TNA. I think he's not a bad guy to go next up against Kenny Omega. Fuck, I'd like a Chris Saban Kenny Omega match if that happens. So yeah, go for it. Former Impact World Champion. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe this is the start of a feud too. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't read yeah. Because yeah. you know, I don't like starting feuds at pay per views. I like ending them at pay per views, but. You know, it, it's just the, the era we're in. This could be the start of a feud. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't um, hate it. I was just kind of curious on your thoughts about it. I, 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 Moose doesn't always need to be the top, top guy. I think I think I honestly thought, you know, a couple uh, maybe a year ago that he should probably be the guy to beat Kenny. Well, given the circumstances that you can't have him beat Kenny yet. Uh, and and maybe there's other guys that are hotter. Yeah, I mean, I still think that in the end game, I, I want Moose to be one of my top guys. But this doesn't hurt him. It's Chris Saban, you know. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't dislike. I like this. your idea of feeding Saban to Omega though, because that could be a really good match yeah. too. Right, he could say, okay, you know, and they, they've tried to build up Sammy Callahan as like this, you know, impact, uh, you know, guy that's been here, ride or die type of guy. Well, Chris Saban's a great guy to represent that too. If you want to keep that story alive, that you know, hey, I've been here since you know two thousand and three or two thousand four or whatever the hell, and, and you know, I'm here. Yeah, I think that's a great match. And fuck, that'd be an awesome match, Chris Saban versus Kenny. Let's do it. Yeah, they should do it now, Scott, Don. If you're listening, you can steal that. So they're they're not listening. They're not listening. Oh, yeah. Ah, no, no, no. Okay, Duckhouse Cal- is not Cal- listening. Cal- Scott Demore. Maybe. I mean, he's okay, not, one, but one one percent, one percent, zero percent. Less than zero. Cyrus the virus is is logging in, going. All right, let's see what the boys have to say tonight. Like, not know, a chance. Right. He thinks we're the biggest dorks. Absolutely. Like, he, like yeah. everyone's a. He's like, you him. talk like, for he's... three hours about this bullshit every yeah. single week, and we're like, yeah. And he's like, you guys are idiots. Yeah, he. We're, so we're just dumb. dumb marks, and he just thinks everyone's a mark. Like, there's no way he's listening. Right. <laughs> 
Uh, Impact World Tag Team Title Four Way Match here. The Good Brothers. I can't. They. God damn it. These guys. They do it again. <laughs> Doc Gallows. Like what the hell? Who's more of a finesser oh than Doc God. Gallows? I don't even Jeez. know how to review this other than just saying that fucking Suntan Biker Man's. He's got yeah. another belt, baby. He's just. Oh my God. Works he just, there. He just wins. He doesn't bump. Yeah. <laughs> he, he never bumps ever. <laughs> Gets great contracts. <laughs> God damn it. Why can't I? Why can't my life be this way? Anyway, um, they defeat Falaba and no way. Yeah, you're probably waiting for me to say Jose. Nope, it's just no way. His name's just, just no, way. no way. So uh, he finally popped up there. Rich Swan and Willie Mack, uh, and Violent by Design, Joe Doring, and uh, and Rhino. So what 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 do you think of No Way? I was hoping he would turn on Falaba in the match. Here's the thing with No Way Jose. I believe in him. I think he's a better wrestler than people think he yeah, is. I, I think I think I think the gimmick is shit. What I would do with him is debut him in the gimmick the way they did here, but then have him turn heel and then do his own thing. Yeah, I don't do this shit. I'm not going to dance for you assholes anymore, type of thing. Yeah, That's how I right. Would but I get the feeling, and I could be totally wrong. I have no intel that this is a one off. So then, what's the point? Just have him go out there and do the conga line, and and that's that. But if if the guy's staying around. He should turn on Falaba and go heel and then shed the gimmick and then do whatever you're going to do. Uh, and then uh, Impact Knockouts title match. I cannot wait to talk about this match. They had another surprise here where Thunder Rosa appears as the uh, yeah. the to be announced here to face. The show uh, was fun. Yeah. A lot of surprises. It was this fun. Good little fun here. Impact Knockouts title match. Diana Peraza versus Thunder Rosa. I loved this match. Now, this is one of those ones that we talk about where star rating wise, I don't really know what to rate it. I don't really know where I go with it, but the story of the match was perfect. Deanna Perazzo gets in there with Thunder Rosa, who she did not expect was going to come here. This is a complete surprise that Thunder Rosa was going to be in this match. And Thunder Rosa basically leads and 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 basically runs this inside. For the first eight minutes, it's all her. She's got every advantage. She's getting every near fall. Deanna Perazzo can't do anything. She can't figure this out. Thunder Rosa was ready for it. Thunder Rosa knew, hey, I'm facing Deanna Perazzo on this night. Deanna Perazzo has no idea that she's going to face Thunder Rosa on this night. So she has no no idea what to do, no idea what to do, no idea what to do. Then finally it just kind of clicks, and then in two minutes, once she kind of f- realizes, okay, I got my plan, I got my attack, I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to get that arm bar, uh, and then if, okay, I can't get the arm bar, screw it, then I'm going to I'm gonna, you know, hit, I forget what her other move is called, they're all just like queen puns or whatever, but instead of doing the submission, I'm just going to go for the, the, the big knockout here. And she does it, she just decides, okay, it's time for me to take over this match, I know what I need to do, and I know what my battle plan is now, and then a minute later, she just beats Thunder Rosa, one, two, three, pins her, and gets her title back. I loved it. Yeah, I saw a lot of people complaining. Dorks. That <laughs> you don't even know to complain, but you automatically <laughs> call them dorks. I love it. I saw a lot of people complaining that Thunder Rosa didn't get enough in this match what? and wasn't treated with listen and wasn't treated with enough respect. You obviously disagree, as you just broke down the match uh, very nicely there. But my whole thing is, even if that were true. So what? Yeah, I don't care. If Thunder Rosa Diana doesn't... Peraza, yeah, she's my champion. She's my leader. your champion. Yeah. Yeah. You're viewing this through the lens of being a Thunder Rosa fan or an AEW fan. This is an Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. And Diana Peraza is the Impact Wrestling Women's Champion. Okay? You want to... I have no problem with Impact asserting their dominance over an NWA wrestler. Diana Peraza should beat Thunder Rosa in 10 minutes. And pretty decisively. I have no problem with that. Um, but yeah, I did see a lot of that going around. And, and you describing the match made me think about that. Because 
Um, I don't know what people expected. Did, did, you, did they think they were going to bring in an outsider from another company and to dominate their champion? Well, make you sense. know what? The problem is a lot of companies would do that. And a lot of companies, yeah, including yeah. TNA in prior years, would probably do that. I love that they said, hey, Thunder Rosa, yeah, okay, cool. You're the NWA champion. You're this, you're this, you're this, or whatever. Cool. You're going to come in here and you're going to lose to our champion. I like yeah. that. I like the balls on them. That, to say, no, no, I mean, we're not going to go 50-50 here. You know? No. When Deanna Perez wants to put you away, she's going to put you away one, two, three, and you're going to lose. Because that she's our champion in our company, and you're an outsider. And that's fine. Like, I love that. That's good. More companies should take look at this and say, hey, this makes my people look like a bigger deal. Because you bring in Thunder Rosa, and, 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 and yeah, you tell you say all of her accolades. You say, oh, my God, this is the NWA. This is this. This is that. that, that. She's on AEW. She's yada, yada, yada. And then you have your person beat her. That makes so much more sense than having him go 50-50 with Diana yeah. Prazu getting out by the skin of her teeth and you know winning by a schoolboy and then going, oh, man, oh, God. She just barely got through there. Oh, my God. No, she just beat her. She just beat her when she was ready to beat her. That rules. That's a, so much better of a story. So I love this. I love the structure of this match. Our best beats their best. Yeah, I like it. Period. Yeah. And in this scenario, this is a rare situation where Impact has the high ground on someone. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Impact. Impact always has the is always on the lower ground, whether it's New Japan or AEW. They've got the high ground with NWA, so they can throw their weight around and 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 you know do something like this where their champion. This isn't the NWA Women's Champ, but it's uh, the person that most people consider the NWA's top women's wrestler, maybe their top wrestler. Period. So it's a good opportunity to do it, and if you're at Billy. Rosa doesn't happen to be your champ now, so you don't mind that much. You know, if that's my champion, I don't want her doing a job, but she's not my champion right now. Right. So it's fine. Uh, then we had our main event here, uh, Impact World Title, non-disqualification or no disqualification here. Kenny Omega defeating Sammy Callahan, uh, 27 minutes, 45 seconds. Uh, we say this all the time, and I guess we don't. I mean, this show, anybody that listens to this knows, but I mean, this is just another feather in the cap that like Kenny Omega is just an all-time great pro wrestler because – Yes, he is. Again, he could go out here and say, I'm Kenny Omega from AEW. I'm the champion, yada, yada, yada. I've been New Japan champion. Sammy, we're going to go in there. I'm going to do a, a V-trigger and a few one-wing angels. We'll go back and forth, and we'll, you know, that'll be it. I'll beat you in 10 minutes or whatever. Instead, you know that this guy said, all right, Sammy, what do you want to do? And yep. Sammy said, okay, well, here, Sammy, what do you do best? What's the best way that we can make this match great? Yep. And Sammy went, okay, well, here's what I excel in. And Kenny went, cool, we'll do that. Slice me with a pizza yep. cutter. Slice me with a fork. We'll do your style of match because I can work any style. <laughs> you yep. can't. I can work any style there is. I can work a New Japan main event. I can work an AEW main event. I can work a, a, a quick tag team match. I can work I can work any style you want. What do you want to do? And, and, and he goes out there. How selfless, how awesome is this? That he just goes out here and says, Sammy, let's work your style of match. I'll, I'll bleed buckets in front of however many people here were at Skyway Studios on fucking Impact Wrestling Slammiversary, but goes out there and busts his ass to have a really, really, really good match, a really good brawl, bloody, just good weapon shots. I mean, this I, I love this match because they just went out there and they worked the exact type of match that Sammy Callen's going to excel in, and Kenny Omega, because he's the greatest wrestler in the world, just goes out there and says, hey, I, I'll be great at this style too because I can be great at any style that I need to be great at. Just great. Yeah. Just tremendous. I want to have the best match possible, so we're going to do Sammy's match. Yeah. Because I know that if I did my best match possible, that Sammy wouldn't excel in that. So right. instead, because I'm so good, I could just do whatever. Yeah. What do you want to do, Sammy? We'll do that. Yeah. Yep. You slice me and, with a pizza uh, cutter? Cool. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Tables, plunder. Yeah. 
because Callahan's great at that. Yeah, and Kenny, I mean, Kenny's, it's not like Kenny's first plunder match ever, but, you know, he didn't have to do this. He could have just no, said, no. he could have nixed that and said, I'm not doing a no DQ. I'm not, I'm not, you're not cutting me. He doesn't have to do any of that shit. But he goes out there and does it for the to have the best match possible for that opponent. It's all needs to be said. That's a great pro wrestler. Who cares? You know, this isn't his company. There's fucking 200 people there, if that. Um, it, was, it was nice to have fans at an Impact show again. We didn't even mention that. Um, he doesn't have to do this. Go out there and did it, and it was great. <laughs> it was a great match. He's just building his Wrestler of the Year case, brick by brick. And here's another one. So, yeah, great stuff. And then the big post-match angle with Jay White. You know, you got to feel bad for Impact. They have a show where there's like they do like five or six surprises. They bring back Finn Juice. They bring back Jay White. They bring in Jay White, rather. They bring in No Way. They bring in fucking... Mickey James came back. We forgot to mention Mickey she came James back and, and challenged Perazzo after the match. Yeah, yeah, big angle. Um, you know, so they bring all these people back. And then WWE brings back Cena and Goldberg. <laughs> right. <laughs> and AEW is rumored to be bringing in Punk and Daniel Bryan. <laughs> they can't fucking win, Impact. You know, they just they can't fucking win. They can't have the headlines for like two days. They can't go 48 hours being the hero before they get completely buried by everybody else's big moves. So you feel bad for them from that perspective. But the little thing they did at the end where they cut the feed, can we stop, please, with this nonsense? You know, very gimmicky. There's no need for it. Um, It's not going to add any viewers. It would probably add more viewers if you showed the angle rather than cut it off. So I didn't agree with that. But overall, a very enjoyable show, top to bottom, with fans. That's important. And a lot of great surprises. It was fun. It was a really fun show. Yeah, it was just an easy watch. I mean, it, it flew by uh, watching it. And, and, and Impact, I'm, I'm going to give them a lot of credit. I mean, they have been making, I think, a lot of good moves as of late. You know, bringing in a Jay White, bringing in a Finjus. I mean, using, you know, they built that relationship back up. I mean, that, that was, you couldn't even utter the name, you know, TNA or Impact to, to New Japan a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And they built that back up through a lot of hard work, a lot. I mean, just cre- all the credit in the world to them of what they've been able to do. It's, it's, it was not easy. I mean, there's a lot of times where Impact could have just given up, packed up and said, hey, this isn't going to work, whatever, or just kind of did their own thing or whatever. But they just little by little, little by little, built it, built it, built it, built it. And they're, they're, they're at a point now where, you know, no, are they going to become, you know, a, a viable contender? No, they're, they're clearly in their little place right now. But it's fine. It's been a lot of fun to watch them, and it, 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 it feels like a lot of the hard work they've done over the last three, four years or whatever is, is really starting to pay off with you know building up these relationships and, and, and really just, I don't know. They feel like a company that, that has solid footing right now and, and, and makes sense and is worth your time to watch as a wrestling fan. So that's cool. Yeah. Because I haven't been able to say that about them in, in, in quite a while. And the return to fans uh, will certainly help that. So. All right, uh, let's move on to our final topic of the day here as we got about 10 minutes left to go, which won't take us too long. Uh, Kota Bushi, a little medical update on Kota Bushi. He has been diagnosed with aspiration pneumonia, which does not sound very good. Uh, and it is not very good because he is going to be off the next three New Japan shows, uh, July 22nd through the July 24th. He's going to be off. 
Uh, what's interesting about that, though, is that he is scheduled on July 25th, which is this Sunday, by the way, to be facing Shingo Takagi for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at that Wrestle Grand Slam in Tokyo Dome. Uh, you got to question whether that match has happened or not. If he currently has pneumonia, he's not wrestling from the 22nd, the 23rd, or the 24th. I don't know. The 25th doesn't look very good if I'm them. But they haven't made an announcement yet, so I, I don't know what their plan is. Maybe he, he is on the mend, and they just know that he needs a little bit more time. But, man, I, you got to be a little nervous looking at Sunday he's got to go from, hey, he has pneumonia, to now Sunday he's going to wrestle Shingo Takagi in the main event of Tokyo Dome. Well, even if he wrestles, what's his physical condition going to be like? Right. I mean, they might be better off sticking someone else in the match. I mean, I know that's not their way. Um, you know they're not going to do that. If he can, if he's, if the doctor clears him, he's going to wrestle the match, and he'll probably somehow go out there and have a great match. But man, is it all worth it? You got a couple thousand people in this dopey to- Tokyo Dome with a limited attendance, state of emergency. Right. I would almost make the case that even if he is healthy, do we really want? Because like, even if he's only like, I mean, this guy, if he literally, if if this is true, and he had pneumonia. Like, do I really want, because I, I, I trust that if they tell Kotobushi, hey, go do whatever you need to do, man, you're good to go, that he's going to go crazy. You know what I mean? He's going to be an absolute nutcase because he's Kotobushi. And should he be doing that? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's strange. I don't know what I think right now uh, about this. If, if I'm them, I just definitely say, hey, sit this one out, pal. It's okay. It doesn't matter. It really does not matter. Then what do you do with this show? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the show's... Uh, fuck, I don't know why we're running Tokyo Dome during the Olympics during a pandemic in the state of emergency right now anyway, but, you know? I don't know, man. They need, they need the money. They need the money. I know. It's crazy. So uh, here is the event, uh, Russell Grand Slam, uh, as we, obviously coming up this Sunday. Uh, you got the King of Pro Wrestling 2021 trophy, uh, a New Japan Rambo with handcuffs, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, Toru Yano, and then his competitors... To be announced. So, so we got our BDSM you know, pro wrestling <laughs> right. match uh, with the handcuffs. Okay, whatever. Cool. Uh, then you have the junior heavyweight tag team titles. Uh, this is going to be Taiji Shimori and El Fantasma defending the titles against Rocky Romero and Ryusuke Taguchi, as we mentioned last week. A, a pretty fun match. Some new blood in there, but um, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter who wins. Um, it really makes no difference. If Rocky's going to be around or be able to get back and forth, you can do a title change here. I mean, I, I just think it's totally inconsequential who wins. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a good match. Uh, then you have junior heavyweight title uh, match, which I'm actually looking forward to here, and that is uh, El Desperado defend the title against Robbie Eagles. That sounds pretty damn awesome. Yeah, Eagles is you know he's been doing good work in Australia, so he's you know it's not like he's just been sitting home, and um, I think he'll have. A match more in the style that I would like to see with Despy than Despy's last defense. So I think I'm going to like this one better. I'm expecting to like this one better, but we'll see. Yep. Uh, Jeff Cobb versus Okada. Uh, that has the potential to be really, really good. It has the potential to be kind of just middling as well. I don't know. These are, you know, Okada's in 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 his period right now where he's really, you know, giving it all on, on, on big-time matches. I have no doubt if it's a Tokyo Dome main event, if it's a G1 final, if it's this, if it's a title match, that sort of stuff. I have no doubt. 
I don't know about a mid-card singles match with Jeff Cobb, though, if Okada's going 110%. And I don't know what they're going to do with Cobb either, because I think you, there's justifiable that Cobb goes out there and kind of dominates this match and, 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 and beats him pretty good. I think you can tell some more stories out of that versus Okada having a 50-50 match with Cobb. Uh, and then just beating him or whatever. So I don't know. There's a lot of ways this can go, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm not confident that it's going to be good, but I also don't think it's going to be bad. I, I don't know where I stand with this one. I think Okada will win. Um, I mean, if Cobb wins, then they're they're going full steam ahead with him for now. You're not just going to... That win it will be extremely meaningful, and I don't think they're... It doesn't... I, I don't think right now they're going to they're gonna do that with Cobb. So... I think Okada will will win the match. Um, wouldn't stun me if Will Ospreay shows up. Been quiet on that front. That's the big feud. Yeah, wasn't there at Rev Pro? Didn't appear at Rev, Rev Pro last week. Yeah, I mean, I'm not predicting it, and I'm not telling anybody I heard anything. I'm just saying keep it in the back of your mind. This is one of those deals where if it happens, I'm going to victory lap all over the place. If it doesn't, I'll never bring it up again. But I'm just saying it wouldn't stun me because, they, you know, if, if he showed up. Because this would be the spot to do it. And, um, you know, I think it would surprise a lot of people. Uh, and then you have the uh, tag uh, summer main event here, tag team titles. Uh, Naito and Sonata, the current champions, defending against the Techers, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi, a match that I like the booking of, but I really have absolutely zero desire to watch a second of it. So, um, well, I think there's going to be a third, so strap in. Yeah. They tend to do these in threes. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't really. I mean, I don't it's want like to the booking I love. I like the idea of this match. I like the concept of this match. I do not want to watch a second of it, though. Especially if, I mean, this is a five match actual show. You know what I mean? Like, because the kickoff matches the, the KOPW thing, like yeah, everything is getting time, man. Those fuckers are going thirty-five minutes for sure. Right? Yeah. Well, what if there, what if what if there's no main event and right. this is now the main event? Right, right, right. So, oh boy, they're going thirty at least. Oh, for sure, definitely thirty, and 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 f- potentially anywhere from thirty to forty if there is no main event. So, yeah, get into it. Uh, <laughs> WGP World Heavyweight Title. Uh, Shingo Takagi versus Kota Bushi as of right now, but that could obviously change anytime soon because yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we got till Sunday for this man to recover from pneumonia, so <laughs> it's like okay. I mean, the obvious speculation is you have Tanahashi doing nothing, and that would be a suitable replacement. Um, it probably wouldn't be a title match in that case. That's not their way, but extraordinary circumstances call for extraordinary solutions maybe I, look i don't know i don't even know if tanahashi's in the country who knows what's going on um but they're in deep shit this is a problem this company it's, this is so cursed <laughs> yeah i mean and, and almost none of this is their fault and they just can't get out of their own way with these extenuating circumstances and, and these things that just keep happening it's it's they really are snake bitten right now. Um, I think the show could be good, but I I cannot tell you as I sit here that I'm excited about yeah. it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch it because it's our job. <laughs> it's in Tokyo Dome and it's all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. yeah I I am certainly not uh, not jazzed for this, but I I will say uh, on, on the flip side, uh, August 14th, uh, New Japan re- uh, Resurgence coming back to uh, Los Angeles here. 
uh, the torch at LA Coliseum. I am looking forward to this show. This sounds like a lot of fun. It's honestly weird how like stable New Japan in America is compared. To, yeah. Like what the fuck? Like how have we reached the point where like you see a New Japan in America card, you're like, ah, hey, you know, that's got a lot. Of, you know, those guys are all pretty solid. Like everything makes sense. Like that's gonna be pretty damn good. It's just like yeah, it's a fucking disaster in Japan, and America's just like yeah, all right. Like now that you're like you know Jay White's in your main event, he's gonna be facing David Finley, never open point championship match. So that should be fantastic. You got Alex Coughlin versus Carl Fredericks, uh, Rocky Romero and Fred Rosser, uh, as well as Wheeler Yuta versus Ren Narita, Clark Connors, and TJP. Um, that's what I have right now. Did you? Was there anything else that you? Because th- I thought you said that they announced some new stuff. Let me see. That was the new stuff. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah there we, we go. Okay. And the never match: Jay White and Finley, which was announced the week before. So that card is starting to come together. They've sold just about all the tickets. I think they have the ability to open up some more seats if they have to. I know we're out of time. I'm going to give you a quick question. It might be better for a long-form discussion, but this is going to sound wacky and really outside the box. Would New Japan be better off bringing everybody over here and just touring the U.S. for now? No, they wouldn't be wacky. No, you think I'm crazy? Or no, 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 no. Think- I don't think you're crazy at all. I, I, I think... So no. I'm talking the full crew. Yeah, no, I, I full crew might be a little too wacky. I am saying don't run Japan. You're for saying now. just ditch Japan, run America. Bring everybody here. They haven't run full. On, we can you can you can sell as many tickets as you want in America. Say, they're going to make more money with that. I don't know, like the cost of bringing everyone. Yeah, over. The co- yeah, there'll be a lot of plane tickets paid, but I think after that, honestly, they're going to make more money on the shows. I think. I think if they bring the full crew over, they can't. They can run similar size buildings, maybe slightly smaller buildings than AEW, and you don't have to run every single week. You run every other week in a big city. You bring and you run full on New Japan shows with your all of you with Shingo Tanahashi yeah. Okada. You just do what you're doing in Japan. Plus hot crowds, plus crowds that make noise and yell. Yes, and plus all the people that you have here, like you get a full show. Yes, yeah. all the strong yeah. guys are here. I mean, I wish you would have brought Is this topic up 15 minutes idea? ago, but yeah, no, it's not. It's actually a great idea, if I'm them. Just I, fucking run America. Fuck this Japan shit. Go back when you can run for real. I mean... Yeah, it's not... I've, I've heard crazier ideas. I mean, it, it, like, initially when you probably asked that question, like, a lot of people are probably like, no, you can't do that. But then it's like, I mean, what's the... I, the downside is it costs a lot of money to get everybody over there, but... I mean, everything gets taped for New Japan World, you know, everything in air live on New Japan World. So you get all those people in Japan that are trying to watch. You sell a bunch of tickets. Your product feels hot again because people can make noise. Yep. You got a lot of good guys in America right now. You get Jay White back in the mix right away. You get, you know, you know, get those sort of guys back in the mix. And you have all these relationships. I was going to say that's my next follow up was going to be you got Impact AEW and all these companies that are willing to work with you. And might say, hey, fuck, you guys are selling out X Arena? Cool, yeah, we'll bring... You know, you can have X guy, or, you know, you can have this guy. And, and, and then you can even propose to Tony Khan, hey, look, you probably know you don't want your guys working our shows on your turf, but our whole crew is here. You want Shingo for Dynamite? Yeah. You want Okada for Dynamite? Let's fucking play ball. You know what I mean? It, it's it, To me, it makes sense. 
Because you know, I think I think it's been so long that people had proper New Japan shows here that it's hot again. It would be feel hot. Again. Oh, it would be it'd be molten. Yeah, that first show if it was all these guys. If it, it if it's this Wrestle Grand Slam show and then you throw in a Jay White versus you know whoever match and Moxley's on the show and you know, uh, yeah, no, for sure. Look at Resurgence and people know they're not getting a full on right. Authentic that shit sold in ten seconds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people were into that. So, I mean, I think you could do two thousand seat buildings. I really do. Maybe even bigger buildings in certain cities. You build up to big shows. I mean, I know it sounds crazy and way outside the it's, box. It's but really I, not, though. I mean, when you when you, given the circumstances going on in Japan, I, I almost yeah, I don't hate it. I, I don't know if there's any sort of legality reasons why. I mean, I guess there's probably maybe certain guys that can't go over, but I think everybody that can go over goes over, and I, I I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. If this same exact show was in Hammerstein, would you be more excited? Oh for God, it? yes, God, yes. Kidding. I might go. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> she goes to Bushi and Hammerstein. I'm fucking there. Yeah, for sure. No, no, no doubt. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's crazy, but it's it's not. I gotta put more thought into it, but I really don't think it's it's that bad of an idea. No, like, it's, it's not. Something they should yeah. consider. It's it's. I, I think they'd probably make more money in the long run if they did it, and I think their company their their product I think would be better off in the long term for it because it would feel hot again. Whereas like we just we 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 barely talk New Japan now, and it's not just us. Like. I, I see web traffic. I see yeah. podcast traffic. I see it. Nobody cares about New Japan right now in America. Nobody. Yeah, it's hard to get into. And but, but this resurgence show shows that, yeah, there are people that still will pay for it. You know what I mean? They're still yeah. interested enough to pay for a ticket for it. But no, nah, dude, you're right. If Wrestle Grand Slam is at, yeah, Hammerstein, instant sellout, an amazing show that we're talking about. We're leading the show off with that show. Yeah, Instead of question. just, you know, putting it to the end where we say, oh, a bunch of, you know, these guys are going to wrestle for 30 minutes while a bunch of guys clap, you know? Who cares? It's crazy. Yeah, that's a, that's a good theory. I, that's we'll have to uh, we'll have to pose that one on Twitter as well after the show uh, and, and and see what people think. I think that could elicit some pretty fun uh, discussions. But uh, that is it for us here uh, on this uh, Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Again, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon uh, to do all that stuff uh, that we do on there. Five dollars tier Slammiversary synopsis going through uh, Slammiversary man events on VOW Retro. You got Joe's Thursday tier reviews. Any written review uh, that Joe does. Uh, potential deep dives, everything that we do uh, available on the five and ten dollar tier uh, at patreon.com slash voice wrestling or voice wrestling.com uh, slash pa- uh, slash patreon. Also, uh, voice wrestling.com slash discord uh, if you want to join the discussion uh, on discord. And we have a lot of stuff coming up next week as well. We have a big, big week planned. Uh, we have the uh, 10th anniversary of this website, not this podcast, this website, 10th anniversary. We have a lot of, a lot of people that are like, oh my god, I can't believe it's been 10 years of Joe and Rich. Not so fast, January 2022. Is going to be our official 10-year anniversary with 10 years of the website uh, starting uh, it, it next week. And we also have Dragon Gate week as well. It's a big, big week coming up in Dragon Gate. So we got Case Lowe and Mike Spears doing a ton of stuff. Some big guests on Open the Voice Gate. A ton of really cool columns. All kind of leading up to a big week in Dragon Gate and Masato Yoshino, uh, his retirement uh, from the ring. So a lot of stuff going on at VoiceOfWrestling.com. Uh, next week so we'll have discussion at voices wrestling.com discord uh, at voices wrestling on twitter and then of course at voices of wrestling.com and ah we should not forget voice wrestling.com slash express so voices of wrestling.com slash express again if you want the real WWE network and not the bullshit that you get on peacock voice wrestling.com slash express and as joe mentioned earlier you want to uh, come up with an address that is not in america and then you should be able to get access to the old good network and not the bad Peacock Network. So at voicesofwrestling.com slash express. And that's it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech. We'll talk to you next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care.